This episode of the Bayou Dragons podcast is proudly brought to you by Dragon Industrial Rap. Fuse. Ready for any project, no matter how big or how small. Dragon Industrial Rap. Are we rolling with the glasses? We're rolling with the glasses. We always roll with the glasses. Hey, y'all, y'all be quiet for a sec. Weezy F, baby. Weezy F, baby. Hello and welcome one and all to another episode of the Bayou Dragons podcast. We are rolling. How's it going? Beautiful Sunday night here in Hampshire, Texas. Um, I woke up this morning and I woke up yesterday morning with just a rock solid heart on because it is now duck season once again. We have finally got back into the swing. Early teal season opened up for us down here. So this is what it's all about for us. This is the kind of stuff we get together and do during duck season. And so if that tells you anything, that's why we're so about it. We live for this shit. So a little bit of a different episode for you guys today. We're actually sitting down here. It's Matt with you guys. And um, if you're watching on YouTube.com slash Bayou Dragons, you'll see we're in a little bit different of a situation here. We're in the shop. We're watching Sunday Night Football. And I'm your only host, joined by three of my good buddies um, on the mics. I've got Mr. Parker Beck, Colby Rivier, and Easton Rivier. Howdy, howdy. Down the line for you guys. So we're just going to be chatting, man, cutting up and, um, you know, watching some football, having a good time, drinking some beer. Yeah, man. Yes, sir. You can't beat it. Absolutely can't beat it. Parker, how was your uh, how was your hunt this morning? Did you enjoy yourself down there on the other end of the blind from me with your family? Man, I did. Um, had my brother and my dad come in. And, uh, it was just a good hunt. I mean, overall, everyone shot well. You know, birds were working uh, a lot better than they were yesterday. Everyone shot so well, and that's one thing that's super exciting for me is whenever we got shooters because whenever birds get away, I mean – no one wants to see that. So that gives me all the more reason when we don't have shooters to be to call y'all out and mess with y'all. Oh yeah, no, I hear you. Y'all did shoot phenomenally today, and I'm glad I had my camera in hand the entire time because it made for some sick content. So um, hey, so all first time guests on the podcast this evening, but all lifelong friends of mine. Um, so we're gonna go down the line. I want to talk to you guys, have y'all introduce yourselves, and um, you know just say what you're about. So I'm gonna start with Colby. Colby's been one of my best friends since we were kids, and he has granted us a lot of opportunities to hunt, and uh, we had the privilege of being in the blind with him for the last two days. So, Colby, tell us uh, about yourself and, and your guiding um, your guiding venture. Yeah, man. So uh, I started out guiding about six years ago, maybe seven years ago. Started with uh, Broken L Outdoors and then kind of we all split up and went our own deal. And now I'm guiding for Coastal Fowls, a good buddy of mine, Brad O'Quinn and Tommy Roebuck. They uh, started this deal over here two years ago. So I'm over here guiding with them now. And, you know, I really enjoy the group of guys we're guiding with. We have great fields, uh, lots of fucking ducks right now. So uh, it sure makes it fun being able to bring a bunch of good buddies with us. Whenever we go, you know, watching the dog work, getting letting Diesel finish out his career. On a high note, um, you know, he had a great career. We're gonna this will be his last year picking up birds for us, but you know, he's had a good one, so it's always fun watching him end it on a high on the high end of things. And so down to your left you've got your brother Easton who's also been essentially like a little brother to me, even though he's not so little anymore. Yeah. Um, 
You're fat, kind of, Easton. Appreciate it. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. But uh, tell us about you, man. How, how what, did, did Big Brother Colby get you into duck hunting, or was it something that just kind of was brought up between the family and, and both you guys? Uh, he kind of got me into it. I've always kind of looked up, you know, the younger brother looked up to him. And seeing that he started guiding, kind of started doing good with it. Went out, uh, i say about three years ago, my first time hunting with him. And it was a great time, great company. Him and a bunch of his friends. And ever since then, it's been kind of hooked, man. Yeah, it's um, not, it's you know, duck hunting is, is something nowadays that a lot of people get into. Uh, I think social media has been a big driver of it in the past 10 years. Uh, TV shows and, and, you know, the whole Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, everything. It's just so big now, the publicity that it's able to get. And it's it's cool um, and I think super important to be introduced to it around a good environment of your friends and family and be brought into it that way. So that's that's the story for myself. That's the story for a lot of people that I know, whether it's their dad or their brother or maybe their uncle or cousin or somebody. But it's always a family ordeal. And uh, it's just a super uh, positive vibe and a positive environment to get to spend time with your family in and it's great so coming back on down the table down here to mr parker beck known parker for a, a little bit less time but um he was introduced to me uh by these guys so parker man tell me tell me a little bit about you and uh and you know your your venture into hunting yeah man um you know i grew up on some land uh outside of san antonio and uh came to college met colby and uh, hit, really hit it off with him. I, I, you know, I've been hunting all my life, just never really duck hunting, dove hunting every year. And, uh, did a lot of deer hunting because that was what was like big in my area. And uh, yeah, didn't not a whole lot of my friends or really anyone talked about duck hunting. Um, always wanted to get into it. I thought it was super cool. And um, I had a few buddies in college, like Colby and uh, my buddy uh, Cade Doogie. Uh, I was really blessed to meet those guys and uh, just develop a relationship with them and um, they started taking me out and uh, dude I fell in love with it I mean I remember my first hunt it was like 32 degrees first few steps out of the boat popped my waders and one side of my waders filled up and the other side so we were in deeper water so we were like chest deep for a second and then my left side of the waders filled up but they didn't have a hole so they couldn't leak so when we got to ankle deep my whole left side was full and my whole right side was empty but I sat there and hunted <laughs> and we shot one teal and I was still like this is badass this is something I want to be a part of like this is something I want to do and uh, yeah and then obviously you know got on a few better hunts that Colby's took me out on these uh, these corporate hunts and we're not grinding but uh, you know walking through the marsh a mile but, hey, we're shooting ducks. It's a good time. We're drinking some beer, have some good conversations. and uh, So, yeah, that's kind of how I got in, into duck hunting. and uh, It's just been, it's been such a blessing being able to have friends like this that you can, you know, just do life with and hunt. And that's it, man. I will tell you this much, man. The, the opportunity that you've been presented is – what a lot of guys strive for um, when they start duck hunting, you know, the grind is in our area. We're real blessed with our public opportunities. We have a lot of great public emergent marsh and, you know, holds a lot of water, a lot of ducks, you know. And so 
having to go out and get out there and trudge through the marsh, you know, it's a grind. And, and I think a lot of young hunters, you know, of course, we don't have no money. You know, if we don't have no money, we don't have no land. We can't lease no land. We can't get on these rice fields and we can't go buy a buggy. You know, you're 14, 15 years old. You know, you don't have the access to those kinds of things. And so it starts there and you're like, man, I want to get to where these guys are. I want to be able to drive my buggy out to the blind and not have to go launch my boat at midnight and go fight people in the marsh, right? So it's a really it's a really great opportunity. And, um, you know, that kind of hunting is – it's no less of a grind um, – than the birds allow right you're not guaranteed your birds you know i've had we've had years where hunting in the marsh and you know the guys hunting in the rice fields you know they've had the, the leisure uh privilege and the pleasure of doing that but the birds weren't there they're in the marsh right so it's 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 the old saying that's why they call it hunting not killing you know what i mean so um you still got to put the work in man and we have seen firsthand the amount of work that colby and brenner and and brad and all these guys well i say brad colby and brenner <laughs> colby and brenner have been putting in and uh no all these guys you know to to get everything right you know this starts well before the season and this is not something that you have to deal with as a public land hunter you go out there and you hunt your birds right these guys have been working for months in preparation to get blinds right get fields flooded get levees patched get all these properties ready for customers ready for guys to come in and hunt and that's definitely something that I, I would say probably gets overlooked oh dude i wish everyone could see that goes on a guided hunt could see the amount of work that goes into it and i got to see it firsthand uh this season with colby and brenner and uh i mean we're loading up track hose going all over the country digging holes patching levees um i i just wish everyone could see the amount of work that actually goes into it before season just to get your customers on birds. And I think it would bring a whole nother appreciation to duck hunting to I see would, that. I wish everybody could see the hole in that, the ass of that seat in that excavator. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's some bitch is so worn in, man. I mean, you guys were ripping that thing all over the place, dude. Oh, yeah. We definitely used the hell out of that, though. There was... um. <clears throat> That's another thing, too, man, like going out there with you guys and getting to work with y'all, man, that was fun in and of itself, you know, just getting to call you up and say, hey, man, y'all need some help. Yeah, come on out and, and hang out with you guys. There's, there's been a lot of beers drank. Um, yep. There's been a lot of sweat uh, absorbed into our clothing. And, um, you know, it's it's been fun, though, getting to spend that time with you guys outside the blind and then, you know, getting to see the the, the reward on the other end of it. So guys, if Absolutely. if, if y'all are watching and listening along, we're uh, we're sitting here watching the Dallas Cowboys versus the New York Giants, and I'm gonna go ahead and make some enemies here. Uh, big Dallas guy over here. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I'm I'm rooting on my boys. Um, Dallas just caught an interception and first down. Dallas going back the other way, so I am ecstatic. Cloud nine over here, um, and I I want to say uh, it's me and and Beck are a fan of this team and the rest are all haters yes so um, very much so say what you want about my boys um if you're a fan i love you guys but um you can suck me <laughs> if uh if if you got something to say about my my team uh I, i'm a strong supporter stefan gilmore just caught that interception uh great off-season addition to the team but so <clears throat> easton Yes, I got a question for you. You have recently um, started bulldogging. Yes, sir. 
For those of y'all listening along and don't know what bulldogging is, Colby, why don't you explain what, what steer wrestling is? I think we need to let the man, the myth, the legend, Daryl Joe Elliott, get on the mic and explain to the world what bulldogging is. Daryl. Daryl. Somebody called Daryl. Come hop on, bub. Okay, guys. I told y'all it was going to be a bit of an unethical episode, and it's it, we're, we're doing roulette here. So joining <laughs> me now to my left, I've got Mr. Daryl Elliott, um, a guy that I've had the privilege of meeting in the past couple of days. We got in the blind together uh, yesterday morning uh, on his first ever duck hunt, man, and it was a blast getting to see uh, someone experience that for the first time. Uh, it was so much fun, dude. I felt like... You guys get to see that as guides quite a bit, yes. I'm sure. I haven't, I haven't hunted with anybody for their first time in a long time, and it was super refreshing, man. It was a blast. It was, it was a lot of fun to see all the emotion and, uh, and all the feelings that come along with that, man. Daryl had a blast. So, Daryl, why don't you introduce yourself, man? <laughs> hey, guys. I'm Daryl Elliott. Uh, yeah, first time hunting ever, uh, but I hang out with these guys a bunch, but I rodeo, so them showing me something different was real different for me, so. I introduced them to rodeo, and they introduced me to hunting, and uh, I think I'm going to switch crafts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I told Daryl before he came duck hunting with me, um, I said, dude, you think rodeo is addicting? Rodeo is addicting. I rodeo with Daryl a whole lot, I said, but I will tell you one thing. When you see a group of about 50 teal come in your decoys and belly up, and get western, you're going to sell every horse you have. <laughs> I put them on the market time duck hunting. I went to market yesterday and filled my cart up on Amazon with hunting <laughs> shit. <laughs> I want to say right off, right off rip, it, it's got to be the less expensive hobby. So, yeah, Daryl, it's it's only right that you you know make a financially responsible decision and just go all in on the hunting. I don't know about that because. My cart is a lot more than feed costs me every week. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have to kind of balance this out. So, um, man, tell me, tell me about your, your experience. I know we talked about it uh, a little bit. And we're going to circle back, man. I want to talk to you about steer wrestling. But tell me about your, your first experience in the blind, man, and how you felt coming into it. Were you, did you feel at all intimidated getting in the blind? You know, maybe feel like you, you didn't know um, or, or have, like, you know, you didn't know what was going to happen or you didn't know, uh, you know, just talk me through it, man. What, what were some of the, the feelings that you were having, man? Man, it, actually, it was really intimidating because you, you're hanging out with guys that you see every day from the practice pen of rodeoing to going into their way of life and them having to show you everything. So I'm like, well, when do I get out of the buggy? You know, what, what do I put my gun in? Do I need... Do I need hip weighted? Why do I got rubber boots? Everybody else got hip weighted. You know, so I kind of felt left out for a minute, but he was like, no, nah, you're going to be right next to me, right next to the dog box. I'm like, the dog box? So I'm going to have to go retrieve ducks? I didn't know what to <laughs> be in the dog box. Exactly. You know, so I'm like, ah, did he just bring me as a joke? But it wasn't, man. I'm telling you, it was probably, honestly, one of the best experiences of my life thus far. For us. I've always wanted to hunt, never had an opportunity to go. But when they showed me for the first time, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, this is the way to go. So, like, I'm all in for the duck hunting and all that stuff. I want a deer hunt now. I've never done none of this. But I've always been a country boy all my life. I just fish. So now I'm looking at it like, well, man, I've been wasting a lot of time doing other stuff. I'm like, shit, I got to buy more guns. Dude, yeah, I, man, I, I think a big part of this guiding deal for me, the, the thing I enjoy the most is, you know, getting these first-time guys in the blind. And because uh, there's so many misconceptions of duck hunting nowadays, like there's so many people that 
you know, weren't properly taught and, and kind of like messing things up, possibly ruining things. So it's, it's really important for me to get these guys in the blind with me and, and uh, you know, teaching them the right way, showing them the, the values of duck hunting, showing them the safety, because there's, there's a lot that goes into this stuff. I mean, it can be really dangerous getting in the blind with, I mean, we had 12 people in the duck blind yesterday. Yeah. Uh, in yeah, a pit you, blind, you're eye level with the water. So, yeah, I mean, and you uh, gave me like a 30-second crash course when we pulled up there. <laughs> hey, yeah, you got a lane straight in front of you. Don't aim this way. Aim. I'm yeah. like, I'm not going to shoot then. I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> there's, so, there's so many, you know, tragic stories that you hear from duck hunting that, you know, if maybe those people were taught the right way and or just a little bit more cautious with it or, uh, you know, that stuff right could have been avoided. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's really cool to me. I've, I've had the privilege of, you know, guiding a lot of first-time people, and I always try to go out of my way to bring, you know, like Daryl, for instance. Yeah. He, he's always – he's – since I've known the guy rodeoing with him, he's always said, man, I want to go hunting. I want to go hunting. So I always go out of my way. And, you know, I mean, you know as well as I do, Matt, uh, opening mornings for till season is a very, very uh, popular day. It is a, a coveted event in our area. Yeah. Um, so to be able to squeeze Daryl in there for his first hunt ever <laughs> on opening morning of till season in southeast Texas is uh, I tell you what, cool to me. I've never went viral on anything, on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, nothing. But when I posted me hunting, I'm still getting people inboxing me about, hey, did you go on private or, or public land? I was like, I don't know. I went with some buddies. I don't know if it was private or public. I don't know. So you, you just kind of get all these people like that want to do it, that's never done it. And they, they kind of look at a lot of stuff that I do, like want to follow me and want to see what stuff I do. But now they see me hunting and it's like, well, wow, you did that. I'm like, bro, if you haven't experienced it, you need to get with a guy like you know what we went this weekend, and man, I tell you what, opening day. I can't wait till the next time I get to go. Also, I don't mean I don't want to sound too excited, but I'm like, <laughs> when do we get to go again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. So the the thing, the thing about us, like Bayou Dragons, right? We we promote a lot of good times. Like that's what we're about. We want everyone to go out and have fun, and we get loose with it, no doubt. <laughs> so. But top priority, and this is something, too, that, like, just living and working in this area gets preached everywhere you go in the industry. It's safety, safety, safety. And that's obviously sure. top priority, sure. right? For when sure. you're in the duck blind, when you're out at work, when you're in the plant, when you're, you know, hauling equipment around, when you're hauling horses, no matter what it is you're doing, it's always top priority. So um, for anybody listening out there, you know, we want to make sure that you guys get that message across, uh, that safety is always top priority, and that's something that we take seriously, no Absolutely. doubt. So, Man, um, it- so the question that was brought up, Daryl Joe, to Easton, because he is, you know, what we call new to the bulldogging world, which I'm still technically new to the bulldogging world. I haven't been doing it for 65 years like yourself. But um, <laughs> damn, you're that old. Yeah. Boy, look, you at that, look at the gray in that beard. Look at the gray in that. There's beard. a reason we call him dad. Hey, his retirement is going to be paying for them great braces in a couple years. <laughs> but um, the question that was brought up, Daryl Joe, what is steer wrestling? Man, steer wrestling, it's a sport that, you know, was invented by Bill Pickett. And, uh, man, honestly, when you talk about steer wrestling, we call it bulldogging. But, man, you got you kind of get into the – it's a way of life. You know, it's an everyday sport, you know, where you're getting off of a horse and wrestling a cow to the ground. But, you know, it was something that was invented around the you know the ranch rodeo you know around the ranch to where you can doctor these cattle before they were roping them and tying them down they just gave us different ways of getting into it but steer wrestling is basically two guys you on a horse and your hazers on a horse your hazers the guy that's kind of keeping the steer straight and you got to trans 
transfer from your horse to a steer and rest them to the ground, making all four feet uh, be in the same direction. But it's it's easier said than done, you know. I mean, we'll, we'll later I guess we'll show some videos of, you know, of steer resting to see what it actually is. But from being doing that, you're you're in the country all the time. You're out on the fields and stuff. So you see the ducks, you see the birds, you see them out there while you're working cows up. You're doing all of this stuff that we're talking about with steer wrestling, but you never hunt them. You don't know nothing about hunting them. So to tie the two of those things together, like just the country theme of it, just being in the country life of it all. Man, it was just a phenomenal feeling to say, like, man, I've actually, you know, doing something now, and I can't wait to eat the deer, the duck. Yeah. I can't wait to eat Yeah. It. You don't want to eat the steers you throw down? We do. <laughs> that's beef. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the closest you can tie them together right There's there. There's a few yeah. over there that I want to eat right now exactly. they're so tough. Hey, I want exactly. to plug Daryl's uh, Instagram, Slam Beef Productions on Instagram. If that tells you anything about this, man, he's out there absolutely yes, slamming that's beef. That's what we do. That's what we do. Yes, sir. All right, Daryl. Well, I thank you for coming on, man. I, you, you fucking natural at this shit, man. <laughs> no, I'm actually not, you know. But I can't wait till y'all take me on another hunt. So whatever, y'all, whatever <laughs> I can do to make that happen, or if you want to throw a steer, we can make that happen. Or if you just want to get a steak off of a steer, we can do that too. Hey, man, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes, dude. If you hold the camera, I'll do it. Matt, you hold you've the camera done it before. And film it. You and hold Matt, the camera hey, and film it, and I'll do it. I'll tell you this, Daryl Joe. When we used to run a lot, every night we'd be at Scholar's house practicing. Matt used to come with me. He's a natural, man. Oh, you're gassing me up. He's a natural. <laughs> He's well, gassing me up Matt right now. is an athlete. Matt has always been one of the most athletic people, and me and him graduate, graduated together. But in our class, Matt's been very athletic. So I knew going into it that Matt could, you know, throw steers down, and he's – let me he's, tell you, dude, I'm skinny. He's got it. I'm skinny. I'm built like Gumby. Don't let that fool you. No, please don't, <laughs> don't because they got some you, guys man. that's been kicking my butt the last couple of weeks that's built like Gumby, and I'm <laughs> 6'2", 245, and they made me look like a, Hey, man, a you, you teach me that technique, boy, I'll show you something. Say so, what, if you want to get into teach. it, Daryl is the best to teach you. Man, I, tell you, I just enjoy it. Like, the way y'all are passionate about duck hunting and any kind of hunting that y'all do, like, y'all showed me so much. That's how I am about steer wrestling, man. I want to take it as safe as possible. Like, Easton started it just a couple of months ago, and he had one goal in mind, that he wanted to run a steer at the uh, the Winnie Rodeo. In in a matter of three months, from never being on a horse, transferring from – he done it in three months, but we did it safe. We did it slow to where he learned the whole process. No injuries. It's, it's no injuries. You know what I mean? There's ways of getting injured in anything that you do. But if you do it right and you teach it right, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. The teaching is the big – because like I said, I've always, you know, kind of looked up to Colby and what he does. And the steer wrestling something I kind of always wanted to do. And it's aggravating at first because you think you're doing good and all this. And then Daryl's like, no, you're not ready for rodeo yet. I think we traveled, what, eight hours, ten hours up to Graham this year. Yeah. And that was my first, I say, rodeo to go with them. And you learn a lot just traveling from putting a saddle on horses to feeding to all that. You learn a lot. And you may not think. You're learning, but you are. Yeah. Well, that's a yeah. very important step to the process as well. I mean, you know, starting from the bottom up and, and you know, getting guys, getting in there with guys that have a lot of knowledge in the sport and, uh, you know, just traveling with them. If you're, even if you're not participating, just learning from them. I mean, these dudes have tons of experience and knowledge and stuff. So just listening. I mean, that's one of the biggest factors in there, just listening. I mean, bulldogging is 90% mental. I mean, exactly. So yes. getting getting in there and listening, I mean, it's the same thing as duck hunting, right? I mean, starting from the bottom up, I mean, 
you, I mean, we grew up walking in public land, grinding out for, for oh, yeah. unlimited birds. And, I mean, and then now we're driving our buggies to the duck blind. So, I mean, it's a, it's a both of those things are very important in the process of, of learning from. I mean, just humbling yourself, knowing, like, look, I don't know everything, but I'm willing to, you know, to listen and, and pay attention. I mean, we're all grown men, so humbling yourself and going down and, and taking a step back and saying, look, I don't really know what I'm doing right here. So, I mean. Well, it's important. It's important to identify that, too. You know, when you think, hey, man, I want to go one day and, and be a guide. Yeah. Well, you're, you're telling yourself, okay, I want to one day put myself in a position to, to take somebody who's never hunted before and teach them, you know, how to be safe in the blind and how to have a good time harvesting birds and all that. So that's really important, too, man. Absolutely. One thing that I will say um, – you know, I, I just recently, within the past five years, um, got my first horse. You know, my family has had cattle for years and years, and then my dad was the one that kind of was the end of the line for it. You know, he, he was raised in it, and he didn't take to it. He was not a fan. Uh, my grandpa had him in a saddle quite a bit, and he hated it. Didn't want it, didn't want a part of it. So um, before I was born, the fences came down and the cows went out. And uh, so I didn't get to get raised in that environment and at a certain point I was I wanted to, to get on a horse and I saw my uncle uh was roping so I wanted to go roping so I bought a horse and it was the same way like you were saying Daryl I was very very intimidating not knowing what I was doing you know um I had this family member of mine my uncle that was teaching me um but you know when Colby would call me and, and say you know I'd worked cows with guys before and and that was always a good time um but more often than not, these cows are kind of trained, right? The horses come out there, they hit the fence line, they go to the pens. So, like, getting to Colby calling me and saying, hey, man, you want to come um, come out to the arena? You know, we're going to run some steers and this, that, and the other. I was I was kind of scared, man. I'm like, man, what am I? how am I going to look around all these guys that know what they're doing? I don't know really how to handle myself that well on a horse. And it was a very... Um, it was very refreshing because everybody that I met was, was super cool and willing to help and and you know just be real friendly and welcome me into that as if you know answer all my questions give me any advice teach me things how to um how to handle my horse how to handle myself and and do all these things so um that's the kind of thing you want when you're getting into something right yeah you don't want to be intimidated going into it and then come to find out your your worst nightmare has been realized and these people are all assholes and like now you're spoiled now you're burnt you don't want to do this anymore it ruins it for you right it's a complete opposite man when i I got into that world everybody was really really welcoming man that's to me that's that's the 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 best thing about what we do like country boys like i don't care the you know the race or whatever anything like that i don't know if y'all have noticed but i'm black (laughs) in the room you know i kind of felt like uh a fly in a glass of milk the other day out there in the duck blinds but you know i kind of figured like man those guys got my back you know but i'm the same way you know just us as country folks like we never look at color we just see another man that wants to do something and hey if he takes an interest to it hey i'm gonna help him out the best way i can so that's the same way where it goes with rodeo where it goes with hunting like they just accepted me as family and man it's been like the most humbling experience you know because i knew nothing about it and i didn't know any of my friends that knew nothing about it. So I couldn't go to any of them and say, man, I want to go duck hunting. And I was like, I don't duck hunt. You know, Shit, like, I but know, I know man. some guys that do, you know. But that's the same way when we come to, the, you know, the rodeo. The industry is it's, it's, it's all mixed race, cultures, all of that thing, you know. So all of us guys getting together and being able to enjoy these types of things, like, 
it just comes back to, you know, we, we know what the world is right now with, with everything that's going on in the world right now. You know, I don't look at it in, in the, uh, through, that, that, through that set of shades. You know, I just kind of look at it with clear eyes. You know, I'm like, they're people. You know, these are my brothers. You know, I'm closer with some of these guys than I'm closer to some of the, uh, you know, my people that I grew up with. But at the end of the day, if, if, if ever I'm in the bind, I know who I can call. If ever they're in the bind, they call me, you know, and it, it's never been a hesitation on you know why you were there or this that and other it's like where are you hey i'm on my way just drop yeah. your location so. all right guys quick break and then we're back with some more oh. you having fun down there and we're live <laughs> back back in the uh back in the rotation with another little bit of roulette we got mr beck back on the stand and we've we've got uh mr george Yes. We've got my Hebrew brother, Mr. George, uh, down there on the end. Uh, good friend of mine and good friend, uh, just all around good dude. I appreciate it, Dos Tones. Dos Tones. That's two-tone. That's what they call me now um, because my beard is one color and my hair on my head is another color. Um, so Dos Tones I will gladly accept. Um, that's better than the latter. A lot of people have been telling me I look Amish. Which, yeah. um, you know, I don't know. Is that a compliment? Maybe. Amish are good salt of the earth people. Um, if you're Amish, you're not watching this, but we love you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, back in rotation, man, we've... Um, where, where were we? Where, where did we leave? Man, we left with oh, Daryl Joe. Well, Daryl Joe up and left us. Well, let's ask George now. George. Bring it on, George. How are you, man? Uh, What's going on? I know how you are. I know you're great because we've been having a blast for the last two days together. Um, yeah, tell us about yourself, dude. Um, let's let's hear your, your intro to the outdoors and, and hunting and, and give us the whole spill, man. Don't leave nothing out. All right, all right. Well, I started getting into it about six years ago, hunting public land over in uh, Lake Livingston, the jungle. Had some rough hunts out there, you know, gators, ice, Reason waters, you name it, I've done it. Uh, and then I've done uh, some, hopped on some leases, and then I met these guys over here, Two Tone and Mr. Dale over here, yes, and uh, probably the best kind of guys I could ever meet. Guys that love duck hunting as much as I do, that eat, sleep, duck hunt. And uh, ever since I've met these guys, it's just been a ride. I mean. Hunting snow geese, hunting mallards, not barely sleeping, shooting limits every every oh you try to shoot limits every day, but you know it's you know we aim to please. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not killing, it's uh it's hunting. And uh, I've uh I really started getting into it though, I'd say about three years ago. That's when that's when I got a buggy and I don't know how many decoys I got now. I think I got um, 600 goose decoys and about six or seven dozen duck decoys. Just ready to roll. <laughs> I've been up to North Dakota, Oklahoma, Arkansas, but mm. Texas with these guys can't beat it. That you excites me. It. That excites me. I'm ready to travel again. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Hey, I w you never told me about your trip over there in Montana. Yeah, dude. So, um, man. That you don't listen to the podcast, do you? Mm -mm. <laughs> no, nah, we we um we traveled up there last year, man, and it was just a two week beat down. Um, we actually went north into 
like the northern part of Montana, North Dakota, uh, and, and into Canada. And it was just chasing birds around. Everything was froze up up there. So when you would find areas where the river was open and birds hadn't migrated uh, farther south, you know, there was still a big roost on the river. You could just hunt the surrounding areas. And there was very little traffic out there as far as people and hunters go. And so uh, we lucked out there and made some really good relationships with farmers, um, you know, that will gladly welcome us back next year when we go, or this year, rather. And uh, it was a blast, dude. We were up there for 14 days, and we shot limits for 14 days uh, some certain days you know a lot of it was chasing honkers around and then we had days where we would find uh you know um we would find mallards in there feeding in the cornfields with the with the honkers and so we had one day in particular um we had a lot of days where we would shoot a duck here or there you know shoot a couple mallards but we had one day in particular where we shot a six-man limit of honkers and a six-man limit of mallards in about an hour and a half Oh, it was, and it was that was the absolute um, dream bucket list hunt, you know. As I think for a lot of people, you know, whether or not whether or not they realize it, that that is a that is a bucket list hunt. Uh, if you're a waterfowler, uh, it was absolutely incredible. Alongside some of the best guys you can ask for outside of you guys, uh, we would have had an absolute blast if we if you guys would have been in the blind with me, man. It was it was a real treat. But yeah, we had um, it was me and my brother and Porter and. Um, you know, CC Duck Call and a couple other guys. We actually met uh, one of the native North Dakotians, uh, Mr. Jacob Wendell, who we had on episode 21 of the Bayou Dragons podcast, and we talked a little bit about that. He was um, he was up there filling a, a mule deer tag, and he killed his deer early and then called us and said, hey, you guys out here hunting? And, you know, we were 30 hours from the house, and he just lived right down the road. Just so happened, you know, uh, he knew Colton. And we were like, yeah, like, come hunt with us. He was like, yeah, I was supposed to be here for a week, and I already killed my, my mule deer buck, so I got a couple more days. And so he hunted with us for a few more days, and we had a blast, dude. It was a great time. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Dude, hey, I'll tell you something that gets me fired up is seeing, seeing these younger guys get after duck hunting. We got Peyton right here. Hey, Peyton today was yeah. lights out. I'm plugging Peyton on right now. He cannot hear Peyton's the man. Peyton, talk into the microphone and tell us. There we go. Get that mic. Get right up close to that mic, dude. Tell us um, Tell us about the last two days, man. Run us through it. Uh, so, Friday, Friday, Colby, Thursday, Colby texted me, and uh, he asked if I wanted to go till hunt for the opener with some of the guys. And I was, uh, I was looking for a hunt for sure because me and my buddies – you know, we're all at school. We're all into the duck hunting and stuff. So uh, when he texted me, I was pretty pumped about that. Uh, after school, left, got here Friday, Friday night, hung out, stayed up all night partying, and it was an early morning, uh, Saturday morning. But what does what does partying entail for you, <laughs> 15-year-old? How old are you, Peyton? 15. Okay. Yeah. Uh. I mean, I guess I wasn't really partying. I was just staying up with y'all. y'all were you were partying. the voice of reason. I remember you you drove <laughs> yeah. me home that night. Yeah, I did drive home. <laughs> Peyton's been around the block. Peyton has been oh, around yeah. the block. He has seen a lot of um, questionable conduct from the boys, but we take it all in stride. You know, we grow and we learn and we adapt and overcome. That's right. Um, but, you know, th- this is going back to – it was a real pleasure to have you in the blind, Peyton. We sat next to each other on the opener, and I had a blast, dude, cutting up with you and um, – you know, whether or not you wanted it or whether or not you appreciated it, you might think I'm a bonehead, but, you know, getting to help you out, too, and give you some tips and pointers, man, um, you know, I, I 
appreciated that when I was getting into duck hunting, and I hope that you appreciated it as well. Um, you know, we'd love to see you getting out here and doing it with us, man, and we want to teach you the way, you know. Yeah, Get you sure. to a point, man, where you can take this thing and really run with it, you know. Yeah, and I definitely took some of the stuff you said after Saturday morning. Uh, I definitely used a lot of that this morning uh, in the hunt. But I like it whenever uh, people let me know what I can improve on for sure, especially getting into it. Yeah, it's it's important, man, to to in, in something like this, you know, there's no need to have your pride about you. You know, we're all looking to help each other out. We want to have success out there in the blind. And so, um, you know, constru- taking constructive criticism is, is something that every hunter can do, you, you know, young or old. If I see you out there and I'm like, hey, man, you know, you're uh, got that finger on the trigger or something or like, hey, let these birds come in a little bit closer next time. You know, I would want someone to tell me that, yeah. you know, on a day where maybe I'm like, I don't know, maybe there's something I didn't account for and these birds are, are bucking a wind and it's you know, I'm calling a shot earlier or something, you know. Let me know. You know, that's always something we can always improve out there. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I wanna give my two cents on this this opening weekend real quick. It's probably the best opening weekend I've had. Just mainly because of people and the hunting was good and everything, but I I'm gonna tell y'all right now, that was the hardest I've laughed in a long time. Uh, opening day with Daryl and all y'all. That was such a good time. Definitely one for the books. Something I won't ever forget. George was definitely lubricated that morning. Yes. Uh, yeah. He was. He Big was time. in a. It, we we got him up. So we stayed up pretty late that night, and um, the boys burned it down. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, the following morning, I, I went home. You know, I've got a wife and child at the house, and so I, I played the dad role and was responsible. I went home and got good eight hours of rest and i came in just bebopping around drinking my coffee having a good old time and these boys had very very little sleep and so when we woke them up and and pumped them full of coffee and red bull boy they were ticking oh yeah and it was a blast man we we finally got them over the hump man and george of all people he he just came alive oh yeah he was alive down there hey the one thing that gets me most alive is duck hunting right that's it that right there gets my blood pumping more than anything else. My wife asked me the night before. She said, um, I'm a pretty heavy sleeper, man. I, I sleep through just about anything. Guys down here on the coast can tell you um, we've more of, a lot of us have probably slept through hurricanes. Hurricanes or tropical storms will come hit the coast, and we'll be just in bed sleeping just another night. You know, we get hit so often. And uh, my wife asked me, she said, do you need me to help you wake up in the morning? I said, no, it's duck season. I said, I don't need help waking up for that. I might have a hard time getting out of bed to go to work, but I'll tell you, when it's duck season, I get up right before the alarm. Oh, yeah. My oh. body, it's like it knows. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think this is one of the most like excited everyone's gotten about an opener in a very long time. You know, just good friends, a lot of good conversation, good meals. I mean, we were out here till 12 o'clock smoking ribs, smoking some pork loin, stuff like that, just cutting it up and... Don't, yeah, don't forget the shit talk. Oh, dude, that's <laughs> oh, the be- that's one of the best parts. I mean, Colby can test this. Like, there's nothing better than being with good friends and just cutting it up in the blind. There's nothing like that in the entire world. There's I hope nothing. I hope people can relate to the. Um, I've heard a lot of people say this, and at times I've never been. I was like, "What are you talking about?" Like, they're like, "Oh, I could I could care less if we killed a duck. I'm having a blast." And I, at times I've like 
I've been like, what are you talking about, dude? I'm here to kill ducks. But then having getting the right people in the blind makes you understand that. You're like, dude, yeah, this is it, man. This is what it's all about right here. 100%. 100%. Yeah, I mean, we. Uh, I went to bed early compared to these guys. I, I was like, 12 o'clock hit. I was like, we got to wake up at 4.30. I'm, I'm getting what, like, whatever sleep I can. That's um, the thing, though. You know, opening day, I can't get any sleep. I'm, yeah, my you can't get any bumping. sleep anyways, yeah. right? Might as well stay up. Shit. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, these guys uh, got zero sleep. Yeah, it might have bit me in the in the ass the, the next afternoon, but, you know, it was worth it. I had a blast, and I'll do it again in a heartbeat, no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. I even still haven't gotten a full night's rest like that afternoon, man. Something about duck hunting, and you come home after a hunt, and that afternoon nap just slaps so oh. hard. Like, you come home, you chill out on the couch, you kick back, fully clothed and, and nasty, smelling like beet, and you just sit there, and then you close your eyes, you wake up, and you probably usually I, I'll close my eyes and wake up, and they my eyes are just burning, and I feel like shit. But I do it time and time again because I love it. Oh yeah, and uh, we ended the season last year with a bang. Colby, myself, and Damon. He's not here, but and Damon. Sebo. Damon is a well known uh, a well known personality on this podcast. Oh, I bet. Yeah, Damon's been on the show a couple of times. He's a big personality. I promise you that. Yeah, yeah. Larger than life in in, in all senses of the of yes. the word. Completely agree. And we we were able to hunt all day mainly because Colby's wife saving us with some Sonic breakfast tacos. <laughs> but uh, that's what it's about. Just hanging out with the boys all day, shooting ducks, having a good time, good laughs. Do you guys think like for me? Um, you know, me and Colby, you know, we're married with kids, man. My wife understands that a lot of uh, my responsibilities as a husband and as an adult, she she's like, all right, I got to take that over in duck season. She's like, all right, you're, you're getting duck seasons coming around. All right, well, now I got to start doing this and I got to start doing that. And I'm like, you're damn right. Like, hell, yeah, I sure appreciate that. I'm right back in it, you know. Yeah, dude. It's uh, it's it's year. It's a whole year of, uh, of work, hard work, working overtime, not taking any vacation for this time right now, for duck season. Well, two tone, I got a question for you. What you got? You've been duck hunting and goose hunting all over. What's there left for you to do? What's left on the bucket list, dude? Man? There's so much. You, I haven't even scratched the surface. If I'm being honest, man, and it's you know, it's it's all relative. Starting out, I thought um, as a guy who had only hunted like my opportunities that I have locally within you know an hour's drive, um, I thought that okay, I've hunted all my local stuff. I've killed all my local birds. Then it was a species thing, right? I want to go and kill mallards. We get very few uh, that migrate. I, want to, I don't want to say that, that migrate this far south, obviously, but just don't get a lot of mallards in our area, right? And so I was like, I want to go somewhere where I can go shoot a limit of mallards. I can go kill mallards. I can go kill widgeon. I can go kill some of the species that are not as common where we're at, right? So then it was that. And then once I did that, it was now I want to go kill uh, honkers. And then it was that. And now I want to go kill Lester's. And then now I want to go kill Sam. And so the list just goes on and on and on and on. So what's the next step? I guess the next step would Tundra be Swan. start working your way towards the, the slam. Start working my way towards the North American slam. Um, 
Cinnamons. I don't know. I, and I, I've got a long way to go. I've killed cinnamons. Uh, not pretty cinnamons. But I killed one uh, three years ago in early till season. Looked like dog shit, but it was damn sure a cinnamon. Hey. I, it took us. I didn't even notice uh, when we shot it. It was sitting in the blind hanging on a strap, and I was looking at him, and I said, that bird looks kind of funny. And I thought maybe it was it was real, had that red tint to it, and I thought maybe some blood had got down into the feathers or something, and then I'm looking, I said, no. I turned his head, and sure enough, that eyeball was red. Mm. And I said, I, I said, dude, you realize we just killed a cinnamon teal? It was my, my friend Dustin and I were hunting together in teal season, and I was like, you realize we just killed a cinnamon teal? No shit. I showed him, and I was like, look at him, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's cool, but it's not near as cool as killing, like, a fully plumed drake. I but, need to shoot one. But... I still haven't shot one either. So that species, yeah, has been crossed off. But, um, but yeah, you know, I, I guess it would be just the slam, you know, working towards the slam. Really and truly, um, nowadays, I, I value relationships with other waterfowlers and in my industry, right? Bayou Dragons has grown into this thing where now we look for like-minded people. We look for other guys that are out here doing it like we're doing it, and we say, hey, man, would you guys want to come hunt with us? Like, because we want to come hunt with you. You know, we want to come and experience what you guys are doing, see what y'all's area has to offer, and just get new experiences, make new friends, um, go out there and network with people. Dude, there's a lot of fun to be had on the road doing shows and stuff like that, and so we make cool connections uh, that way. And then, uh, you know, that's already led to getting to go and do some of these trips and, and have some of these hunts that we're not, you know, able to do in our area. The Sandhill Crane was something that was highly coveted on my list. We can't kill them here. We're in an area where they're, uh, it's a no-kill zone. This is, protected. I want to say, their breeding area, right? Yeah. So they're protected from here down to Corpus Christi, and then there's a little break down the coast, and then there's another protected area. So we had to go up into Lubbock, Texas, and we had some guys reach out to us. They said, hey, we want you all on the blind with us. So we went up there, and we did it, man, and it was, it was super cool to have had that connection and had that come from uh, us doing our thing, you know, and, and showcasing it to people and um, – so, yeah, you know, opportunities like that kind of present themselves if we're lucky. Um, you know, and, and those guys, dude, I talk to those guys to this day. They, I, they came out to a show with us this year after they brought us on the hunt last year, and they spent the whole weekend with us. We put, they stayed in the house with us and all that stuff, you know. So making friends like that, those friendships last. Yeah. You know, meeting like-minded people the same way that I met you, the same way that I met Parker Beck, the same dynamic is there with people who are interested in, hunting and you know they're brought up the same way and you know you 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 flock together it's the duck hunting right. community it's it's a good solid community um i just love watching dallas lay the wood <laughs> to the new york giants right now while we're doing this podcast I'm, I'm so so happy and um yet again i'd like to reiterate uh to all our listeners if you're gonna hate on me for being a dallas cowboys fan uh you can you can have the shaft <laughs> <laughs> anyways Back to it. No, hey, yeah, speed on that. I mean, even before we had met, Matt, um, I feel like we already knew so much about each other. I feel like we were already friends before we had even met just through experiences through Colby and uh, and other guys like that. And uh, so, like, when we had met, it's like we already knew each other. I mean, we were kicking it off, talking about all the stories that Colby's. Let me you ask know. you this. Had you heard stories about me? Because I oh, dang yeah. sure heard some stories about you. <laughs> okay. No, you heard oh, stories Ripper about Jones. Ripper. No. Ripper Rip Jones. So that guy's out of town. Ripper Jones. So yeah, I'm going to tell you this um, before we break into the ice of Mr. Ripper Jones. There's a, Parker is um, Parker is just salt-of-the-earth man sitting next to me. 
Uh, but he had his time, man, where he was just this absolute animal of a but person. He's a maniac. <laughs> Wild man. He was a maniac. And yeah. so I would hear these stories coming from Colby. Uh, of course, them going to college together up there in, at uh, Texas A&M. And I was like, dude, I got to meet this guy. I didn't hear the name Ripper Jones, though, until about a year ago. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyways, uh, but it's a perfect fit, man, for everything I saw and experienced with you. But no, dude, I, um, aside from that, just pick it with you. I'm proud of you, man. You, you're, you're a great dude. And, uh, you know, I don't want you to think that we're giving you too hard of a time. Well, but let me we're never going to stop, though. No, I just no, want you to know no, that. It, hey, man, it's a part of my life. And that's something that, um, you know, we all have our time stuff like that I, I, I was wild um, fumbled. but yeah I think um, just like Pollard fumbled ah shaft I, I want to tap in uh, on Ripper Jones and I duck hunting back in back at Texas A&M <laughs> this guy I mean both of us we, we go out to the bars Northgate's the bar district over there in College Station and we go out to the bars and we find us a sober driver to take us straight from the bars to the duck blind and we'd stay up all night go out to the duck blind shoot our limits and then go over to this little home cooking like little cafe shop where it's ten dollars all you could eat use either fried chicken or chicken fried steak and man i want to do that again i wish we could but uh at least there's no no bueno anymore. what what was the name of the uh the place at dan b Redneck Snack Shack, the Redneck baby. Snack Shack, dude. We had you one. Cannot get better oh biscuits gosh. and gravy in the world. The Redneck Snack Shack. This little pop-up shop off the highway next to, like, across the street from an Exxon station. So there was, like, nothing within a 20-mile radius. It was just a highway running through the woods. And then there was an intersection. And on one side, there was a beat-to-shit Exxon. And on the other side, there was, like, a little Morgan building. And it was the Redneck Snack Shack. And they were in there cooking up the goods, son. Oh, yeah. Some gas station chicken right there. But, hey, I want to come back. Did you – so I heard the Ripper Jones stories, man. Whenever yes. you're talking about uh, how we met and you feel like you had already known me, did, what what stories did Colby tell you about me? Because I need to verify their authenticity. Man, all types of stuff. Um, mostly you being the voice of reason for Colby. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. that's accurate. Yeah, that's accurate. Uh, he told me a story about um, – I don't even know if I should say this, but you crawling away, uh, <laughs> trying to get for away from someone um, out here. Y'all oh, had a party, and you were crawling man. through the through through the field because yeah, uh, dude, a special I a, someone. <laughs> I had a hostile lover at one point in my life, and uh, yeah, no, she uh, she was getting the better of me one night. Well, and I Matthew armed- was also eighteen, and she was twenty eight, and she had an eight year old daughter. Okay, I don't want to go that deep, but, you know, like you said, part of the history, man. Yeah. Um, she was a very good-looking gal, you know. No one can blame me. Speaking I, of making friends, like, you, you felt like you've known him forever. Daryl over here, I met him yesterday, and I feel like I've known this guy my whole life. Well, he's pouring you a drink right he's there now. crown so. shots over it's here. What is going on? <laughs> Daryl and I are trying to get tossed. Well, oh, fellas, tossed. Continue with the tossed. story. Continue with the hold story. Hold on, hold Matthew. on. Did you just say you're getting tossed? Not by Daryl, but <laughs> no, no. But you're gonna get tossed. That's a that's a something that Tanner says on this freaking show all the time, and I've never heard anybody else say it. We give him shit for it all the time. Well, you can't give him shit anymore. I guess. 
<laughs> getting tossed. Dude. Um, no, yeah, I, I made my way. It was a rough night, man. I, I lost motor function that night um, due to, um, you know, just a miscalculation in, in beers to body weight ratio. <laughs> and uh, so I, I was on my hands and knees, man, and I had to get out of there, um, you know. So hey, you have that. I, made, I, I made my way to the road, you know, and you, you got those guys for me. It's my brothers that always tell you. Uh, you know, hey, man, if you're ever in a real bad bind, you know, I don't care how late it is. You can call me. I'm here for you. That's so it. I called my brother, and he came and picked me up um, brought me to the house. Uh, oh, that's it. The, the woman in question later broke into my house. Um, <laughs> and I woke up, and she was in there, and it was, uh, it was pretty rough, man. I was, I was definitely scared. I heard you were in the bottom of the shower, and she came in there towering over you. Oh, no, I was in the shower, and then I was later in the bedroom on the floor, um, highly inebriated. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that's moving on now. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got to go. Yeah. Uh, no, man. I, uh, yeah, kind of going back to Ripper Jones. Uh, yeah, it was that was a wild time in my life, and I, f- I feel like I have to kind of talk about this to, you know, um, not explain myself, but – it's a it's a part of my life. Give give context. Yeah, yeah. Um, dude, I was freaking wild, and um, man, I had everything that someone could want at uh, twenty one years old at the time. And man, I thought I was the king of the world, and I could. I just had everything I wanted uh, that from the world's aspect, and man, that I just felt like a a separation from. Uh, just like everything like the world like I just didn't feel fulfilled in anything that I was doing so uh, the Lord had met me after a bad night at the bars and I man um, he changed my life like he like he gave me that love and um, it's been awesome just being able to hang out with y'all and you know uh, talk to y'all about my faith and um, yeah I mean it's just a big part of my life and uh, I feel like yeah, I had to go through all those experiences, um, being Ripper Jones, having <laughs> this giant like alter ego that everyone knew. It was Ripper um, Jones to Bubba to Parker Beck, yeah, to Richard, and, yeah. yeah, to Richard, and uh, people that <laughs> have met you, Parker. Uh, they always tell me, they always ask me how you're doing and everything, and they always. One of the good things they always say about you is, it feels like y'all just. <laughs> y'all left off from yesterday you know you, you come up and you're like you're picking up from oh that's a hundred percent how parker is i mean parker's one of my best friends like me and him are super super close but i mean we'll go you know we miss the river three weeks sometimes. we'll go three weeks without talking we'll go a month without talking sometimes and it's like that one day i get a phone call and parker beck on the screen and it's literally, you know, it's it's like nothing ever. Like we never skipped a beat with it. What's his name in your phone? It's not Ripper, is it? <coughs> no, it's actually Parker Beck. I need to. Yeah, I need to. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's what it should be now. Yeah, that is yeah. Parker Beck now. But yeah, dude, I, I feel like I kind of have to, you know. But Parker, uh, he's a super good guy, man. Oh, yeah. man. You can't, Those are the you kind of friends him. you want, man. I've I've got. Um, I'm blessed to to have a couple of them, man. Where I could go. Um, I, I could probably go years without talking to, you know, and then pick right up where you left off, man. It's the kind of guys you want to surround yourself with. Oh, damn right. Yeah, I remember the first time, uh, or one of the first times we had met. I think it might have been first time we hung out for a long time, Matt. Uh, I said a prayer at, at Colby's bachelor party, and uh, <laughs> and you're like, man, that's so cool how you can, you know, 
go from partying like crazy to, um, you know, these prayers and stuff like that. And, you know, talking about your relationship with the Lord. Um, now it's kind of transitioned uh, away from those parties. I'm still around. I'll go to the parties with everybody. But uh, still the life of the party, just I, the sober guy. Yeah, I'm yeah. just I'm just the sober guy now. And, uh, you know, that's just purely out of, like, obedience for the Lord. You know, my my, my life was bought with a uh, with a price, and that's the blood of Jesus. And, um and yeah, so that's that's kind of why I just had to throw that out there because you well, know, no, that's, dude. That's hey, life, man, man, I that's my I, life. Did, we we have guests on this podcast and give them the platform to talk about whatever they want, man. And I uh, for you to to use that to share your faith, man. That's that's awesome, man. And you know, that's that's just as welcome as any other thing on this podcast. We don't, um, you know, for for anybody, I say this probably more than I should but to anybody out there listening you know I know you are listening if you're hearing my voice right now it's stupid but <laughs> if you're out there listening to the podcast right now that is something that you know that we have all walks of life on here man and uh, you know we're not I'm not pushing anything on any of you guys uh, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell anybody what they can or can't say on this show man and uh, I respect the heck out of you for coming out here and and you know sharing it with us man yeah man of course yeah, I feel like it's just something I have to kind of explain because you know, like I've said this twenty times already, but it's it's a, it's my life now, and uh, yeah, man. But kind of going back to it, we going duck hunting and just chatting it up with the boys, shooting ducks, looking at that sunset come up. I mean, well, let's talk about this. How is it that Parker Beck shot four boxes of the shells today? Okay. Okay. I think only one bird landed on that side of the blind. <laughs> Am I mistaken, George? You're not mistaken at all. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know, the the times that we shot, I don't even think a gun went off on the left side uh, for half the morning, the first half of the morning, and uh, they were still calling birds down there. So <laughs> I think that might just be Mr. Uh, Mr. George. Well, George, there, uh, George claims to have shot every bird. <laughs> That we took. I will give George this. Hold up. I will give George this. Hold up. He is a fantastic oh. shot. He's a great he, he, shot, yeah. and I'll attest to that. But according to himself, he shot 37 birds this morning, and I just hey, don't think that, that, that that's accurate. Bird, that one bird he <laughs> shot today, I guarantee it was 80 <laughs> yards. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey. Yeah. You know I'm about, messing with y'all. What about I the said, other 36, Colby? Yeah. 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 Well, you know. Hey. Now, you know I'm messing with y'all about that, where I shot 34, 37. You know, there's... They're at one group of four where I only shot one, whatever. But I was, no. I'm waiting on you to say, yeah, you know, it's just all a joke. I know. I really only shot 32, but <laughs> I was just about to get those those funny, The funniest thing shells. is the birds just, will be on the opposite end of the blind. They'll fall down. George will be like, yeah, yes, I shot that bird. <laughs> what? Hey, hey, man. Hey, man. No. I'll tell you, shit, nah, no, he's man. All, he's all, he is <laughs> no man. The, no man. I mean, shit, no, he man. is shit, no, the perfect man. guy to have in the blind with. You're gonna have oh, a great man. time, and the dude will pull his weight killing bird. Hey, oh, but I, if you, I'm the if, not, if not pull a lot of other people, yes, as well. if like, you, you can shoot. if you say that you killed a bird, but he he, know, that he shot, he'll, I believe you get your ass kicked for saying something like that. Hey man, hey man. Hey, hey I will no, say this. What would you do with a million dollars, man? <laughs> I'll tell you what I'd do, man. All right, guys. Hey, quick break, and then we're back with some more. My name is Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> That's good right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it's fucking. Watch your profanity. <laughs> hey, speaking about Jorge, man, that guy... 
can reach out there and touch those birds. Uh, I thought he just left, so I thought you were about to start talking shit on him. No, <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. That guy can reach out there. I'll s- he yeah. is. He's like six six, so oh, he's yeah. got a, an unfair advantage. Yeah, uh, yeah. You I know mean, what he shoots to? Benelli. What's your stance there, Benelli? Mine. What's my stance? Are you saying that in 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 advocation for I'm Benelli? I'm a Benelli guy all day. Yeah, yeah. Beretta. I mean, we all have to I grow got, up at some I've point. I've got one know? of each. And uh, I'll be honest with you, man, and I tell everybody this. I have a $2,000 Superbike Eagle 3. I say that. It was 1900 when they came out, and I bought it. And I have an $800 Beretta A300 Outlander, and I shoot my A300 all day over that Benelli. Hey, there he is. And it's a gas-driven budget automatic. There he is, the man, the myth, the legend. Diesel Dog has Diesel arrived. Dog. Diesel is Colby's uh, nine-year-old black lab who is – coming to the end of his career yep. um he is getting we have grown up together we've learned from each other we've had our trial and errors and he has pissed me off more than you could ever imagine <laughs> it's been a pleasure to hunt with and i'll tell you this i as much credit as colby would like to give his dog trainer for how good this dog has been over the years it was really actually all thanks to me uh, <laughs> i trained him i trained him out at pine tree lodge one day we were out there on the bayou and we pulled up to the lodge and Colby went inside to get some food and I found a decoy in the bottom of his boat and started fetching him with it out there at the boat launch. And then from then on out for the next six months, the dog would retrieve every decoy Colby would throw out yes. when he was putting the spread out. And it was terrible. I would have to chain the dog up so he wouldn't go pick up every single decoy I was throwing out in the mornings. It was awful. What are friends for? Thanks to Matt. What are friends for, man? And but, I'm glad that I could do that for you. And but man. I sent him over to Alex Brittingham at One Shot Retrievers, and um, she turned this dog into a bona fide hunting machine. Like, this dog, which I, do, I hate tooting his own horn because he is my dog. I know everybody does this. Well, my dog's the greatest. My dog's the greatest. But I will tell you this. He is a pleasure to hunt with. The dog is, you know, he's not a robot as, you know, a lot of these, these big time dogs where all they do is duck hunt, go in the kennel, duck hunt, go in the kennel. My dog sleeps with my two year old daughter. I will feed him Cheez-Its in the duck blind, you know. <laughs> I mean, he is a, he's a dog. He's not a robot. So it's, it's really cool watching him. It's sad watching him, you know, at the end of his career and, and decline going yeah. downhill. I mean, as, I mean, everybody I've ever hunted with can testify that, um, um, he was a rat on acid whenever he was a, a young adult. I liked to compare him to a meth head. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like 100%. a fiend. You know, he would just fiend for those birds. You know, he'd sit there in the blind, and a lot of dogs do, but this man was on another level. I've never seen a dog. Um, it was like he was having a stroke if he went too long without getting birds. Yeah. Uh, not to the point of, of like, you know, yapping in the blind and doing all this stuff, but you just look at him, man, and you're like, this dog is not right. Something wrong with this dog, but he just wanted he wanted it that bad. It was like whenever a big group of birds would come in, you'd shoot them. Damn near before the fourth or fifth bird hit the water, he's already coming back with another one because he was so fast. Oh. I mean, he was a, he's a British lab. He uh, He's smaller. He's about 
in his prime. He was about 55 pounds, you know. But uh, he he was always so fast and just super, super smart. Now he's a little bit more hefty and, and older and stuff. But it takes him a little bit longer to get out there and get back. But he uh, he uh, it, it, it's sad watching him finish up. But, you know, I got another puppy with Alex right now at one shot. Um, she's a little female. She'd be a year old in a couple of weeks, and she she sent me videos, and she's really kicking it on and stuff. So I'm really excited, you know, to see her come back up and and hunt her this year. I'm gonna get her back for big duck season and stuff. But uh, you it's know. just crazy to see, you know. Just the other day, Diesel and Renly are laying on the couch, you know, watching. Coca Melon or Baby Shark, and then he gets in that duck blind and he's just eyes in the sky. He's a whole other dog, man. Oh, 100%. He's a whole other yeah. dog. Yeah, I've seen it for sure. I mean, as as old as he is, and you know he's, you know he's wore out. The dog has picked up thousands of birds in his career. I mean, I I got him when I was sixteen, and 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 I, I mean, we grew up guy like whenever I first started guiding, he he, he was my dog. He was a young pup. He's gone through the public hunting. He's, he's guiding gone through the, all. Of he's gone bugs. through it all. I mean. Him running from alligators in the public land marsh in early till season to you know now he's living the luxurious life of hunting rice fields and oh, yeah. you know but yeah. uh, at least he gets to kick his feet up man in retirement yeah. and y'all treat him right. Yeah, but, that's gonna be Renly's dog in a couple that's weeks. That's a that's one thing I've always valued above all in a dog is that I don't want a robot like you mm-hmm. said man. I love a dog that can flip the switch is what I like to say and what I mean by that is they can go from. Uh, go from being that absolute hunting unit to coming home, reining it in, taking that energy and kind of dialing it back, being a family dog, being able yeah. to chill, being able to lay at your feet, you know, and, yeah. and you know, I mean, you, you want, you want to limit that at a, at an early age to a degree, right? Yeah. When you're training this dog to say, this is your job, you're going to be yeah. a retriever. I mean, um, my, my look, the way I see it is that, like, I want to limit that early and then train this dog, and then after that, you've earned it, and then yeah. you know your job. I and mean, then you could be a family dog and, yeah, and, and all that stuff. So Absolutely. Um, I mean, you need, to, you need to earn their respect. I mean, they're going to push your buttons. I don't care how much money you have in a dog. I mean, I've paid a lot of money into this dog in diesel, and he, he will push your buttons and stuff, but... I mean, at the end of the day, it's a it's a mutual respect there. It's, you know, like, you, I got your back, you got my back and stuff. But, I mean, the dog, I've literally seen my two-year-old daughter have him in a chokehold on the ground, and he's <laughs> just laying there, tongue out, you know, having the time of his life. But uh, it it's cool. It's cool. He's, he's, a, he's a really, really good dog. He's he's a once-in-a-lifetime dog for me. So, you know, I know a couple years to watch ago. Him go down. My grandma would literally go to the duck blind just to watch Diesel work. Yeah. You know, I have customers to this day that only book hunts with me because they want to go watch Diesel. They don't care if we shoot one duck. You know, they want to see, they want to be in the blind from, with Diesel. Uh, I heard that from another guy that you guide with that was, he said a lot of his customers were super high on the dog. Yeah. I think that's cool, man. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't think, I never would have thought that you could have that, like, that it would be so cool for someone that doesn't have a dog. Like, I, I thought when people would say, like, oh, man, I just – it changes the game for you, you know. I love to go out there and just watch my dog work. And I don't – I like – at that point, I'm like, I don't have a dog, so I don't really relate to that a whole lot. I could – I like watching the dog work, yeah, no doubt. But, like, having a dog of your own, it, it changes it completely. Yeah. That sense of ownership, that bond that you share with your dog, that love that you have for your dog and, and getting to see it, 
you know, get out there and do its job and, and love it. You know what I mean? Like, dude, these dogs love this shit. Oh, man. they love yeah. dude. They're bred for it, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's it's, it's literally in their blood. it's in their blood. That's that going back to what you said earlier about you know, like you got my back, I got yours. You know, those you get to a point, man. Those dogs they want to retrieve birds for you. Yeah, oh yeah. It's oh. like it's it's you're in the blind and that dog is just shaking, looking at you like kill something for me, please, yeah, yeah. dude. Well, my, without them, you're going out there and you're getting them. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I and mean that, that that changes the standard of like what you want out of a dog, right? Like at, I want. For me, if I don't got to get out of the blind and my dog goes and gets the bird and brings it back to me, I'm cool. Yeah. You know, I don't need a a whole lot. Right. But we talked about that also this morning. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a casual. I say casual hunter. I hunt quite a bit, but I'm not a guide. I don't do this professionally. Um, You know, it's 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 a different standard for a dog that's got to hunt every day. Uh, Essentially. A lot of people like to say that that dog is a tool. Right. And obviously to to you, the owner of the dog. You don't look at your dog and say you're a tool, yeah. right? You look but, at you look at Colby and you say you're a tool, man. Yeah. Uh, but now you you, but you, I mean, he essentially is yes. But you know yeah. that's your boy, that's your buddy. Oh, 100 you know? percent. But um, as a god standpoint, right? When you you're, you got these customers coming in that are paying, you know, good money to come duck hunt with you. The last thing you want to be worried about is a dog that doesn't mind or, or doesn't obey and all this stuff. So, I mean, the fact that a dog can just sit there and heal and, and watch birds go down and he's not in any danger of being, you know, a lot of these dogs that break and are out in the decoys when people are shooting and stuff. I mean, to, to for him to sit there and, and watch and, and, and wait on his command to go out, it's really cool to, to do that as well. So. And the whole time, because you know the blind, you got the front and the back. And when Colby's calling, we all got our heads down. He's like, all right, front. All right, they're coming in the back. You watch the dog. They're doing the same thing. Yeah. When he's saying front, the dog's in the front. When he's saying back, the dog's turn around, he's going to the back. Yeah. And that's what I think is pretty cool to watch. Yeah. I think one of the coolest things, my favorite story of Diesel is y'all are running. I don't know where y'all are running, but, I mean, you can tell it uh, whenever Diesel retrieved your hat. Oh, dude. That, oh yeah, I was there, dude. It was me, Matt, and Dylan man, Young, man. That was we were, we were whipping, in. we were whipping that boss drive, son. Oh, we were rolling in on the public land, and uh, it was really early and stuff. And I had a big boat at the time. I had an eighteen foot, you know, mud boat, which was big for down here. And the, I mean, the Monte cut, Turpin. The the cut Touchdown. was as wide as the boat was, so you know you're real skinny and narrow. Well, I'm I'm rolling through these cuts, going to the flat. We're gonna go hunt. And uh, I go off of one bank. I'm not the best mud boat driver by any means. But um, I go off of one bank, hit the other one, and we start sliding. Well, in that slide, my hat flies off. And so I go to reach for my hat, and the next thing I know, I'm beached. I'm hitting the bank, and I'm beached. And me, hard. Me, Matt, and Dylan all fly out of the boat onto the, ba- onto the grass. And we're laying there, and we're like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> and we're, like, trying to gather ourselves back, and I'm like, where the hell is Diesel? I'm like, Diesel's gone. All of a sudden, I look back, and here he comes swimming back with my hat in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. I'm like, dang, man. Yeah, oh, I mean, I think it's super funny. I just want to touch on this. You, I mean, you touched on it uh, this morning a little bit. Whenever... <laughs> Whenever these dogs hear all those gunshots and then no birds fall, like, wh- I need to get another owner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't the case today. We we were lights out today. Yeah. But, I mean, you can tell those dogs, 
they they know you're missing too. Yeah, yeah. I I've got so with my my young yellow dog. She's uh, just over a year, but uh, last season I hunted her at about nine months old. And uh, when I got her, I kind of got her a little bit later than you would pick a puppy out of a litter. Uh, I had just gotten married and went on my honeymoon, and so I kind of told him like, "Hey, I want to buy this dog, but would you mind holding it for me for like another month, maybe month and a half?" And they went, yeah, cool. So I get her and I, I start working her on my own, and then. You know, before we know it, we're having a baby, and I was like, "Man, I'm just not gonna have the time." Uh, so, I get I get in touch with a, a trainer who, at the time, I was just like, "Oh boy, here we go! I'm about to shell out all this money and all this stuff." Uh, little did I know, I would meet uh, just a phenomenal person, a phenomenal dog trainer. Like, I got exposed to that whole world, and that's a whole other conversation in and of itself. Uh, but, anyways, you know, uh, prior to that, last year I hunted her, and man, it was like. And she knew, like you said, you know, they push your buttons, dude. Golly, she was testing me. Uh, you know, just at that age, you know, she, it's it's a pissing match. Who's the boss? And, and yeah. she was testy for sure. Uh, she broke a lot. She had a lot a lot of shit in her neck that she needed worked out. She was a young dog, you know. This was her first hunt. She's very phenomenal <clears throat> for how young she, she was. Her first hunt was, was great. Uh, well, you also chose the... Coldest. Worst conditions for her to the, hunt. The coldest day hunt. that we've had we out had down an here ice in storm, years. and there was about four inches of ice on the duck pond. Yeah, and, and that, the dog was running on top of the ice for her to do. Breaking. For her to do as good as she did she, and yeah. show the drive that she showed, I knew I was like, oh, she's gonna be, yeah. she's she, gonna be fine. You got yeah. a good one. On she's gonna be a phenomenal dog. So, uh, but after that, you know, we had a day where we were three deep in the blind, and Colby's like, yeah, bring your young dog. You know, we'll let her work and. Um, we we had some snow geese that were bucking the wind, man, and it was just a, a really kind of gnarly day, and we had to make a pass, and we shot and missed, and she went out there broke, and I couldn't get her back in the blind. Here, here, nothing. No, no response. She just was going and hunting and hunting, and she was not going to come back in the blind without a bird. Dude, we were – we drove in down this cow um, – down this rock road, you know, in this cow pasture, and then drove out to the rice field. Our trucks were like a mile from the blind, and then we buggied in from there. She ran damn near back to our trucks. She tracked every cut of that rice field back and forth all the way damn near to our trucks. Yeah, wow. where we she was gone. And I'm, he was like, "Dude, where's your dog? Like, where's I told your dog?" Matt, I said, "Dude, are you gonna get your dog, man?" Like, <laughs> I said, "What do you want I, me to do? I, I'm I not can't. gonna walk out there again." Well, I was like, "I can't. She won't listen. To, you know, she's she's just being a you know being a turd and." Uh, and, you know, fully expected to. We talked about it prior. I was like, dude, I don't yeah. know how what she's going to do. I was like, let's just – I want to go feel her out yeah. kind of. you know. But, I mean, that was the perfect scenario for, for her to learn. I mean, we had a controlled environment. We had a small group that morning. I think it was, you know, four or five of us. I want to say it was me, you, and uh, Damon and, and George. Like George and his girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a really small group, and, you know, and uh, – I mean, Matt's like one of my best friends, so it, whenever he asked me, he's like, man, I, I really want to work my dog. And uh, I was like, come on, bring her bring her on, man. Yeah. You know, Diesel Diesel's getting old, so anytime I get a chance to, you know, sit him at the house and and, and take them trips in and out of the field off of him, I'm I'm more than willing to I think my favorite story about run a- Diesel is the end of the year last year. I wasn't there, but I seen the video. And this bird's probably, we say, Four or five hundred yards out from the blind, yeah. I mean, he was out there a good ways, and Diesel seen that duck go down, and he was on it. Oh yeah, that was a good retreat. I mean, that was that was. Insane. You were there, weren't you? Oh yeah. I mean, it was, that duck 
I mean, we probably shot. It, it was out there, but it glided a long ways. He went over two levees in two different fields, and he come back with that bird. We were all freaking hooping and hollering. That I mean, it was just insane. It, it was straight up insane. Big old fat snow goose. Hey, can we come? Uh, can we come full circle back to something Easton mentioned to me earlier? Uh, I just wanted to bring back up so he could tell you this story because it's hilarious. But it is a <laughs> testament to the waterfowling community and, and you know kind of the way we interact with one another while we're out there. But um, so earlier we kind of talked about um, you know having your back out there and you know getting into. Um, Daryl came on, talked about steer wrestling and, you know, being intimidated by coming into our world the same way that I was intimidated going into their world, right? Um, Easton brought up a story earlier that I'll never forget. You want to tell that story? Yeah, man. So I was, man, I don't know, probably, I'll say 13. And my brother asked me, hey, you know, me and a bunch of my buddies, we're going to go out to Texas Point and go hunt in the morning. You want to go? This is, this is. Texas Point in our area is a public uh, walk-in public spot. marsh that has a walk-in uh, area on the unit, and it's it's brutal. It's a very it's long a walk, hard uh, walk, thick, tacky mud. Hard match run a, a bicycle uh, ride. Yeah, when it's dry <laughs> enough and you're lucky, but it, it thick, tacky it's mud a, that just yeah. cakes onto your boots. Your your boots get about an extra ten pounds a piece. Yeah, that's what, that is there. the definition of grinding. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a rough one. So continue. So. We show up there, and, you know, he just, I don't say just got his license. He's probably 16, 17 at the time. But we show up, kind of hang out. Well, the gate's open, and we'll say about 4, 4.30-ish they open. They open at 4 o'clock, yeah, yeah, 4 o'clock. So we get there, you know, we start walking, get to the blind, and we kind of split up. We're not really shooting anything. So I was like, I'm going to go hang out with Matt, Colby, you know, all of them over there. Well, they shoot a bird. And like, hey, Easton, you know, it's on your side. You go get it. And – don't forget, it's like 30-something degrees. It's cold. He's he's the young gun. We're yeah. utilizing it. Now, we're 16, 17 years old. We're yeah. all young. Yeah. We're like, Easton, get out there and get Easton was the young buck. So, I took off. Well, I'm going to get it. I'm walking, you know, through the water in my uh, chest waders. And well, all of a sudden, a group of birds come in. They're like, Easton, hurry up. They're coming in. So, I take off. And I'm trying to run, like, you know, get there and get back. Well, all of a sudden, I trip and I fall in the water. <laughs> and when I tell you, I was cold, like, I was freezing. I finally got the bird, got back to where we were at, and there's probably four or five of them, and every single one takes your jacket off and puts on me just so they can finish making the hunt and I stay warm. And I get back to the truck, and and that's the definition of they got your back out there. Yeah. We all partially took an article of clothing to warm Easton up. But that was funny. He, he brought that up and was like, man, he, he immediately was like, dude, I got something that completely ties to that. And it was just like, yeah, I, you, we don't even, it wasn't even a thought, you know, yeah. it was like, this is what we're doing. You know, like, yeah. we got you, man. Like, you know, there's no, it was not like a out of the norm thing, you know, it was just, that's, that's just how we do it, man. Um, so to try to be as welcoming and, and supportive and just, you know, yeah, try to build like everybody my, up around you, you know what oh I mean? Yeah. Like. That was my first public hunt, but probably like my only, I say, fifth or sixth time to go duck hunting in general. It was I a good learning. Like, I feel like I, sure. I, I feel like I thought like, dude, like he's ruined now. Like he is just gonna have a bad time, and I felt bad for you. You know, it was cold, dude. Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah, this is just he's cooked. You know, he's not coming back out here. But yeah. I'm glad you had a positive takeaway from it. It's good, yeah. man. It's that, really good. That's something that I love 
I mean, even when there's new duck hunters, uh, especially by y'all, because um, when I first started duck hunting, you know, I was coming out here with y'all. I just wanted to learn as much as possible. And that's something that I loved because y'all, even if I would mess up, hey, pull me aside, talk to me, tell me what I did wrong. But y'all ain't crapping on me. We're just having yeah. a good time out there. We're shooting birds. I mean, it's a blessing just to be out there. Yeah. And that's something, you know, that it's not – it is about the hunt, and we're trying to do that as ethically and, you know, obviously have a clean hunt and, and, and everything like that. But, um, you know, it's really not all that serious. Like, yeah. y'all y'all really taught me Dude, that. That's, the, that's well, the thing that I think we try – and I, I say this, like, in a sense. When I talk to people about who we are as the Bayou Dragons, right, when yeah. I'm out on the road talking to people – um, there's so much, dude, like in waterfowl and, and things that get like like social media and brands that promote and, and do waterfowl. You know, they oh, hunt. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's always like, you know, uh, the, the word passionate gets thrown around. Anytime you watch a video, the word passionate gets brought up a million times, right? Mm-hmm. We're passionate about this. We're passionate about that. And that's, that's great. We're passionate about it, too. Yeah. Um, but we, we're not sticks in the mud, dude. Like we, we're some, we're some hardworking dudes from Southeast Texas. And it's, I, I always think of this quote from fight club. We work jobs that we hate to buy shit that we don't need. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right and so I don't want to, I don't want to leave work and leave the refinery where I've been sweating my ass off in FRs in a hard hat all yeah. day, you know, busting my ass to go and sit in a blind with a bunch of guys who are just going to be straight losers and like sticks in the mud yeah, and be it's like, just back to work. Oh, you yeah. know, ooh, ooh, ooh. like, no, no dude, humor. I want to, I want to hang we, out we and have and fun and have a good time. I want to have fun, dude. Yesterday like, was one of the funnest duck hunts I've ever been. Hey, and, and I care about this, dude. Yeah. I love this resource. I love yeah. this opportunity. Oh, I yeah. love to hunt. I, I love to transfer that to, uh, to other people, I love to cook and, and eat and clean my birds and everything yeah. about this. I love it, dude. The good yeah. thing about and like yesterday is it's a bunch of good buddies drinking cold beer, shooting birds. And whenever the birds aren't flying, what were we doing yesterday? Talking a good time. Chilling, man. Shit, we're shooting the shit, so drinking cold beer, messing with each other. It's, That's what it's about. To me, man, I, I, I there's a lot of people, and I've, I've mentioned this in, in, in recent podcasts, uh, but there's other brands that we've tried to interact with that look down their nose at us and they're like, man, we're just, we're so much more passionate than you guys are like about this, man. Like we take this shit serious. This is our life, man. I'm like, I'm like, Hey dude, like it's, it's not, it doesn't have to like good for you. But, but Hey man, I, I, I fucking tie my boots. I tie my steel toes up every day and I go and spend 12 hours a day or 12 hours overnight away from my wife and my son yeah, uh, to go make a living right and shift work is not for the faint of heart dude i'll tell anybody around here tell you that right now um i don't i don't want to come home and and sit around and and be you know i don't want to go get in a duck blind with guys that are going to be like oh man i'm so just act that way it's just that that's not my style that's not not my personality i like to have fun and enjoy myself yeah and and you guys are the people that i've surrounded myself with that that appreciate that too I think we're in an area that's conducive. Like, obviously, we've all, being from this area, you know, had similar experiences with work and jobs and all that. So you guys can relate to what I'm saying, man. Like, work's not fun. Yeah. Like, we don't, like. No, duck hunting is supposed, it's supposed to be fun, dude. I mean. Yeah. It's, it's. It's a good time. You get out there. Which, granted, you're putting food on your family's table as well, for the most part. I've guided a lot of people that 
we go shoot, you know, 10, 11 limits of birds, and they don't want a single one of them. Yeah. They don't want them. They want the cool picture to post on Instagram, and they're gone. So then, you know, I'm stuck with all the birds, which I eat the hell out of ducks. I don't care. So a lot of people doesn't. The best eating Dude, I'll, I'll tell you this, too, in just a brief. I won't go too far into it, but now, even, even nowadays, as much as I don't like that, even nowadays that is almost, I'm not going to say it's okay, but they're still contributing to conservation, whether they know it or not. They, they buy, buy their, their hunt license, license. They buy their shells. They buy that's their right, guns. Yeah. They do and, all and, this and, and that. And all that's going and, back. And, and on their end of things, even if they, they may not like ducks, but they work just as hard as we do in their day yeah, jobs. That's right. And they're paying, you know, the money to go on a guided duck hunt because they want to go kill a bird, right? Hey. So, I mean... With, that's that's what they want to spend their hard-earned money on. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, by all means, do what you want. Speaking on that, the money part, um, I saw the statistic. I'm taking, like, a principles of wildlife and fisheries management class in uh, Texas A&M, and I saw this statistic, and it said if hunting was an S&P 500 company, it would be number 114, just the hunting industry. It, I mean, it is a... I think twenty billion dollar industry, and that's that's probably not even that's a that's probably a low number. I'll, yeah. I'll, if you're ever interested in um, in in listening to somebody explain how this translates as far as you know the breakdown on everything when it comes to the percentage that's taken, what it's allocated for, and all that stuff. Ramsey Russell. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Ramsey Russell. I'm not. I have um, But he is a world class. 365 days a year hunter and when oh, i say yeah. that i'm not i mean that he hunts every single day of his life that is what he is ate up with and he is a huge conservationist um and he is a very like he's the he's the most advocate you can get for hunting um and he tries to explain that to people and i've, I've taken a lot from him uh over the years listening to his his podcast and, and reading some of his articles and stuff that he's put out but that hunting makes uh, hunting conserves a resource, period. Yes, sir. That people like to, to think that, you know, you're out there killing birds, man. You're dwindling the population and you're screwing it, you know. Like, like no. Hey, because we're hunting this, this bird, now it's a valuable resource. And now we're going to make as, we're gonna make sure there's as many birds as possible now because it's a valuable resource to us, right? So there's that's just a simple concept, but a lot of people don't understand it. But, um, yeah, I, I just thought I'd. If you ever were interested in, in looking at some of those numbers as far as the money goes, uh, Ramsey Russell talked about it just recently on an episode that he did um, on his podcast. But yeah, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, that's it's something definitely to think about because those people are contributing to, you know, people like Colby who, you know, might try to do this full time. We don't know. Colby could quit his job any day, try to do this full time, something like that. Um, and, you know, they're paying – all this money, you know, and gas, paying taxes on that, all this stuff. It's like hunting is such a huge industry, and not a lot of people think about it that way. There's so much that goes into it year-round, diesel for machines, um, you know, uh, all these farmers uh, that are, you know, leasing their property out. It's There's so much money that goes into hunting that a lot of people don't ever see. Well, and... The thing about it is the equipment alone. Oh, look at the equipment that Colby and them have used the past, like, we'll say, month. You know, you got the track hose, the gooseneck trailer, the diesel fuel, 
that's a lot of money nowadays. Oh, yeah. I mean, what's diesel? $4 hey, it, a it, gallon it, it ain't getting any easier, man. No, no. It's on a steady climb. Yeah, man. and I mean, we're, I say we, Colby is fortunate enough to where he works for a good company. He can get any equipment he needs. But we have equipment at our disposal that he can just hook up to and he can go. Yeah. But you still got to put diesel in it. You still got to oh, put yeah. wear on your tire and your trucks and all that. It takes a lot of money and a lot of time to get the fields right, to take the customers, and it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, and that's something maybe the customers won't see or, or won't maybe appreciate. Um, I think because you know they're like, oh, you just got this, you know, you threw this duck blind out here, and yeah, you, everybody just thinks hunting. that the land we hunt on is all our land. No, yeah. no, it's not. There, it's and it's the work that goes into it, and that's why I mean I I think tying this back into the conversation we just had about you know not wanting to make it work we do all this work and colby and guys like him um do all this work on their fields so that they don't when they do come out it doesn't have to be work it can just be a good fun time yeah like this morning what did we do drove the buggy up to the duck blind everybody gets out in the duck blind i had guys in tennis shoes this morning yep I wasn't yeah. barefooted yesterday morning. Yes, I was in hay dudes. Yes. Hey, I had a lot. Of, I had some I comments mean, on that post I made of you, and somebody said like this dude's grounded. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like this but, is as close as you can get to the earth. But right what here. I'm saying yeah. is that it's like we put all this work in to give our customers the best possible experience. Because I mean, these dudes that maybe aren't as passionate as we are about duck hunting that will go through you know all the hoops to to make everything right. That just they want to go kill ducks. So I mean. We yeah. jump through hoops to make it right for them. Where we pull up in the morning, unload your gun, unload the dog, throw a couple of decoys out, we're ready to hunt. Hey, and that's okay. That's like, perfect. If you want to come okay. hunt, Absolutely. Like, yeah, maybe you want to hunt, but you're not gonna dedicate your life to it. That's okay, that's, dude. Hey, it's like it's like yeah. you want to go and try f- Italian food. You know, yeah. it doesn't mean you have to you know no. be an Italian chef. You know, like yeah. there's anything. Absolutely. You know, and that's what a lot of people don't understand too. Is like for Colby's standpoint is whenever you're guiding. Like yesterday, we had, what, 12 people in the blind? 10, 12 people? You know 12. how hard it is to shoot a 12-man limit? Like, that's a perfect hunt. Like, that's we good go, shooters, too, man, because yeah. especially in teal season, it's a very difficult – I mean, as, as weird as it might sound, you know, even in big groups, it's hard to knock a lot of birds down. Well, yeah. the thing about it is when they come in, they're all balled up, right? You know, they're coming in, they're balled up, everybody's right there in the decoys. Well, you get them first couple shots – the majority of the time, people are shooting at the same bird. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, so mean, I, I had this, I had this out. thought. And they're moving. I had this thought and today. I had this thought today. We're. My name is Jeff. Colby's <laughs> <laughs> loving that soundboard down there. I had this thought today. So I was in, uh, I was in the public marsh probably four years ago. Um, it was myself, Nathan Connor, and Bullet Brumley. There was, there was four of us. Yeah, there's four of us. And um, four guys, group of teal comes in, 12 birds. So I'm thinking, okay, everybody tripled. So, you know, maybe even if somebody, maybe one guy shot two birds with one shot or whatever, the birds were wadded up, you know, who knows. But the odds of four guys shooting 12 birds out of one group and every, like on average that's Slum. everybody that's everybody shooting shoot. one bird with yeah. each shell and emptying their shotgun. Yeah, the odds shot. of that, like even with like say even if somebody did double or even if two guys doubled, still the odds of shooting 12 yeah. birds out of one group with four dudes is like ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. really good shooting. Dude, that, for that to happen and I, I didn't have like a grasp on that until like 
later, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. yeah like, that was crazy. insane. I mean, dude, we had that bird coming in today, and we shot shot up the whole group, and then we all turned to that last bird that flared. I mean, I think four different shotguns went off at once. That that bird straight got obliterated. Yeah, that, like, was, um, that was the one there. that kind of got out there a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was great, man. That was great shooting from you guys this morning. Yeah, today, it was, awesome. today was a really good shoot. It was a lot, yeah. dude. It, it, was it makes it easier time. for all of us guys that, uh... One, hey, so one thing I wanted to um, kind of touch on that you mentioned a minute ago that I don't know if... Um, we spent enough time on it. It just kind of got mentioned as you were discussing. But, uh, you know, you said this is your – or maybe it was Parker that said, you know, maybe you could do it full-time. And, and just kind of made mention that this is not your full-time job. You work a full-time job and also guide uh, duck hunts here in it's southeast it. Texas. So you're not only working your full-time job to provide for your family, you're yep. taking the extra time um, – and all of your free time essentially to go in on this 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 side job that you have to make um, make these hunts pleasurable for your customers and make them the best experience possible. Absolutely. So my whole mindset going into the whole guiding thing was whenever I was you know approached a few years ago by the guy that brought me on into guiding or whatever was you know I'm gonna duck hunt anyway. I mean I'm gonna duck hunt anyway. Might as well get paid for it. So you know. It's cool, and I get, you know, I get access to all sorts of, you know, big ranches and farms around here where we have a pile of birds. It's it's a really cool experience. So it's really been a blessing for me at such a young age to, to be able to come into something like this and, and guide like that. So it's it's been really cool and fun. So Do you think that your people skills have developed a lot because of it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there would be, I mean, you all know me. I mean, I've always been a really quiet and shy kind of guy, but, I mean, there will be days where they'll call me and say, hey, you don't have any uh, any groups booked or whatever, so you have this just random people that wanted to come hunt with us. You're taking them. That's fine. Whatever. So you get in there, and you're, you're able to, you know, guide them and, and, and develop a relationship with these guys, and and uh, it's always cool doing that too, which it can be very intimidating and scary too because, like I said, I'm really shy and not – very a people person but being able to get in the duck blind and do something that we all enjoy and shooting ducks and and developing a new relationship with these guys and i've done it a few times over the years and and now these guys that that were just random you know raffle winners or the ducks limited banquet they went a, a duck hunt with us and i get to bring them and they're they're kind of random people but and now they're they're continuing customers they call me every year hey man when can we go again so it, that, it's really cool to be able to develop a, a customer base like that and relationships with these kind of guys like that. So that's a really cool thing for guiding about me. Yeah, man. Sounds like it's uh, – you're making it sound like it's a bunch of rainbows, though. It, it's not. It's work. It's work before the season. Um, yeah. But, yeah, During the is. season, too. Yeah. During the season, too. Yeah, it, it's – I mean, after the fact – I feel like you you definitely do you downplay it, um, but that's that's your humbleness. Yeah, uh, you know, definitely. There's a lot of work, man. It, it gets put in, um, and it is not all rainbows. But yesterday, it happened to be a double rainbow. Yes, we had a double yes, rainbow was. after the storm. Uh, Motherfucking rainbow. Motherfucking <laughs> rainbow, bitch. 
That was hilarious. That was a funny uh, inside joke that we shared in the blind. Um, there, there was a disconnect early in the blind yesterday for me with a couple of people that I had never met and hunted before. But it was very, very quickly overcome, and we were firing on all cylinders after maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. It was uh, It was super cool. That's the thing about is it duck hunting is you can have people you can put random people from all walks of life in a duck blind together right don't they're not gonna talk a word to each other after that first volley of birds come in and you shoot five six ten out of there best everybody's friends. gonna be a hooper and holler they're gonna friends. be best friends after yep. that yeah yeah That's you it. know that that is the coolest thing is is watching that develop i mean because I grew up going to a bunch of different schools around the area, and right, and then I went up to, to A&M up there and, and met a bunch of friends up there, and being able to introduce all these different friends of mine, who are all very, very good friends, introducing them all together, and I'll look on Snapchat, and there will be some of these guys that I've introduced each other to hanging out at the <laughs> bar together, and I'm just like, what the hell, dude? Yeah. yeah. Where's my invite? But, you know, it's cool being able to, you know, bring it full circle around and and these guys develop a friendship, like Matt and Beck. They would have we never just talked about other. that the we other day, about yeah. That day. And it's it's cool being able to y'all develop y'all's own friendship and do this kind of deal or deal or whatever. And and that's always a really it's fuck it's cool watching that. It's like rewarding, you it know, because uh, you'll always have that in common with with me and Beck. You know, like say you know. Like you said, we do our own thing. I hit back up. I'm like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? You know, you see us out there doing their, our thing. You know, maybe you scroll on a picture or something. It'll, it'll bring a smile to your face. Like, yeah, yeah man. Oh, These yeah. guys are out here having a good time. and you can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can You can find some, you know, it bring you some joy to know oh, that you, you made, you essentially just made that happen. You know absolutely. what I mean? You put you put two and two together. The yep. funniest thing ever was Matt texted me and said, hey, I, uh, I heard it was your birthday. <laughs> I said, uh, well, yes, sir, it is. <laughs> and I sent the video. He sent me a video, <laughs> uh, 30 degrees, doing a spread eagle I belly say, flop I, in the this, mark. This was not a <laughs> video of Parker. This was a video of his alter ego, Ripper Jones. Ripper Jones. And, uh, <laughs> we, we do this thing you might have heard on the podcast uh, in the past. How much where we money say, can we pay back to do something stupid? <laughs> yeah, we yeah. – yeah. We do how much compensation. Yeah. Mitchell always throws out these in, insane, like, how much compensation for you to strip of all clothing and hike, hitchhike back to Hampshire. And then you're like, dang, man. You're like, oh, that would take a lot of money. And you're like, well, you know, can I cover up? No, no covering. You have to. And he puts all yeah. these stipulations on it's it and makes, the, it, yeah. makes it just the most extreme. And you're you like, know, ah. You know, whenever you're in school, like, dude, how much do you do this? How and much do you do that? So well, we Beck were, is the guy that's always like, man, 20 we bucks. We were coming back from an uh, extremely cold hunt that morning. It was like 30 degrees. Um, and and mashed. Damon, Damon said, how much compensation back for you to strip of all clothing and dive into that bar ditch over there? This was the first time Damon and Beck met as well. Yeah. And he was like, I'll do it for 100 bucks." And Damon stops, or Colby stops the buggy, and they all look at each other. It's like, I'll, I'll put up 25. All right, I'll put up 25. And he sure enough did it. Butthole ass naked. <laughs> well, wasn't it just yesterday what we do? So, $10 yeah, a person is different. <laughs> Which, 
for some reason, every time we go duck hunting with Beck, he ends up naked at the end. Okay, <laughs> okay. You're gonna give a, listen, you're gonna listen, give the, you're gonna give is, the yeah. wrong idea to yeah. our followers. <laughs> listen, yeah, listen, listen here. I'm broke. Okay, so whenever they say a hundred dollars, I'm like, hey, that's almost a week of meals for me. Yeah. I'm I'm getting I'm getting to eat. So hundred dollars, I'm going. It don't it doesn't matter. They're like, oh, dude, you're you're weird. You're weird. Why? What? One of Colby's best friends is like. Why does Beck always end up naked under the hunts? I said, dude, they're the weird ones. They're the ones paying me for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. It is. It. You had to be there, or oh, else man. we're we're yeah, we're definitely weirdos. Uh, if yeah. you weren't there, yeah. yeah. It's but it's a. Hilar- so. I mean, it's thirty five. It's it was probably thirty five degrees. You're pretty morning. much paying to watch this guy suffer. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It's thirty five <laughs> degrees this morning, and you know you're driving out of the field. You know everybody's been drinking beer, and it's, hey, I mean, hey man, you know, damn, hey, hey man, hey man. <laughs> how much? Is, how much is jumping that canal right there? Beck's hundred bucks. Pause. <laughs> Beck butt ass naked jumps in the canal. <laughs> Swan Tom bombs in the canal. It's oh, funny yeah. because <clears throat> there is footage. There's there is footage. footage of this to back it up. Oh yeah, and in the footage, he comes sprinting out of the rice field. Now, <laughs> I want to go ahead and give some context. We're not anywhere near the blind. No, uh, we're yeah. we're well done with oh. the hunt, and we're we're goofing at this point. Uh, and he comes sprinting out of the rice field. I mean, like like a NFL combine sprint. Hey, that was probably a four four man. Oh, all day. and just when he makes <laughs> in this, the mud. he makes this jump and is fully extended all of his appendages and the first thing that hit the water was his dickhead <laughs> <laughs> y'all ain't right man <laughs> i was there though so i'm a, i'm a i'm in there man that's i don't want to be but i'm in there man hey it was funny it, it was, was a good laugh and that's something that you'll carry for the rest of your life whenever oh yeah you're an old, you're whether, an old, you, whether you want to carry that image or not, it's there. Scarred forever, and you're sitting on your front porch at 80 years old, drinking some sweet tea, saying, "You know what? This old boy named Ripper Jones." <laughs> I'm going to tell my grandkids about Ripper Jones. They're going to be That's googling it. him one day, wondering who Ripper Jones was. Dude, I'm telling you though, baby, I'm the Ripper. Hopefully, in a few years, I'll have some money. Watch your profanity. <laughs> Hopefully, in a few years, I won't have to do that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm out there making money though. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Beck, Beck, get is your bread, kid. Crawfish catering guru. Yeah. yeah, some of the best crawfish you'll ever have. Yeah, dude, it's good. And I know it's everybody down one. here in Southeast Texas. They made the best crawfish. Hey, that's, crawfish. that's the crazy thing, though, is that like, like, yeah, we see it that way, but there's so many people in the world. Yeah, you know, there like there's, there is. There is. you think like, oh man, there's a bunch of people doing this. But Way more people really are what? buying it if than you there are doing crawfish it. You know? is better than Parker Beck's. Nobody is paying you thousands of dollars to go cater crawfish. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, he's, man. I don't he's know why baller. he still needs a hundred dollars to get naked and jump <laughs> yep. in the water, though. <laughs> hey, that goes to all the company. It ain't going to my pocket. <laughs> he does that for fun. No, <laughs> yeah. no, it, it's cool. I, I'm proud to see Beck doing that. You know, and it's something we both talked about. I mean, yeah. I grew up down here in Southeast Texas. Matt and all of our boys grew up working for Shane over there. Worked the on a crawfish farm. farm for five years. Yeah. yeah. And and so it's always cool seeing Beck. And, you know, he is very, very passionate about seafood distribution. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you ask him to this day what he wants to do for a living, I want to 
do I want to own my own seafood distribution company. What would yeah. that be? If Which you, is cool because some kids, you know, like some people, is like, I want to be a fucking astronaut. I want to be a president. Yeah, well, Next, so, I want to be so, a seafood yeah. so on, your, on, your, on your LinkedIn profile, does it say like crustacean <laughs> professional or like what does it say? Man, I, I do. Hey, man, I, I got a couple krill in my pocket. I could lace <laughs> you up. Hey, boy, you want some hey. badass shrimp more? My, my, I might, I might drop you a couple of them sweet crustaceans in your pocket. <laughs> No, man, it's fun. You know, like, around here, you know, it's a little saturated market. Um, so I don't really come out here. Everyone knows how to cook crawfish. They got the best recipe down here. So I'll tell you this. Mine's better than yours. Oh, come on now. I don't hey, know. I've had They're pretty dang good. Uh, pretty dang good. But it's it's cool because, you know, I get to go all over the state where, you know, crawfish maybe not as available. Sparse. And, yeah. yeah, they don't know how to cook it. So, yeah. I mean, I've done boils and uh, – Austin, Dallas, uh, Lake LBJ, San Antonio, uh, back home in Lavernia, uh, but yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's a good time. It's a real good time. That's cool. Lake LBJ. That's a uh, Lyndon uh, Beckham Jr. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, going back to what you were talking about, um, about everyone can, you know, we make friends from you know these duck hunts and stuff like that. I mean. Just to speak on that a little bit, we have this duck hunt, or this dove hunt every year back home in uh, in my hometown, Lavernia, my house, and um, I think three or four different guys that we've been hunting with the last few years with through Colby that I met are all coming to the house, yeah. and we're gonna mash some ducks. Gonna be a lot of beer drinking, no. a there lot be, of there will be zero duck shot. Oh yeah, dove. Yeah, sorry, a lot of dove. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <the> <laughs> hey, I got ducks on my mind, baby, but. uh a lot of dove shot, a lot of a lot of beers drank, and you know, yeah. we'll, we'll throw some meat on the pit. I tell you, this will be the fifth the fifth anniversary for the yeah. Beck Ranch Dove Hunt. That's and it. It's always a very good time. Oh, it's it's fun, man. It's we, it's a lot of fun. I'm really hoping Matt shows up this year. I'm trying, yeah. dude. I'm trying to bridge the gap between being a dad and finding. <laughs> well, the time that's to the whole deal. Trips, I bring my man. little ones, and and it's always fun. You know, Miss Melissa and Mr. Brad, they're the best hosts you could possibly ask for. You know, they just accept us arms wide open. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty much you know show up, treat your treat yourself as this is your house, right? Yeah, so it's like that's it. It's it's always a good time, and and we're gonna bring the RV down there this year and and stuff. But dude, it's it is you can't beat that. That is screw Christmas, screw all the other <laughs> holidays. The one time of year I look forward to is the Beck Ranch duck hunt. Oh, dude, or the duck hunt. We get oh, yeah, zero ducks killed, Colby. Zero yeah, zero ducks. ducks. Harvested. Yeah, no, screw ducks. <laughs> I'm shooting ducks, baby. <laughs> no, it, we, it's it's a good time, you know. But that's that's the thing about going on these duck hunts, you know. We meet people from all walks of life, and we get to hang out, and now they're some good friends of ours, and get to come down and shoot some dove and have a good time, man. Because that's what it's about. We're just all trying to have a good time. Yeah, and that's, that's it. what. But it's not really about that. It's not what it's really about. What's it about? It's about the Mets, baby. <laughs> Love the Mets. Let's get a home run, Mets. Come on, baby. Love the Mets. Let's go, Josie Altuve. <laughs> yeah. But the good thing about being, you know, I say Colby's younger brother, but the young brother of a duck hunter, bird hunter, you meet all these really cool guys, and you meet them, drink a lot of beer, have a good time. <laughs> That's what I, You keep going back to drinking a lot of beer, beer and yeah, having a good time. In case you haven't noticed, I don't know if you're watching or listening, but my little brother, Easton, <laughs> <laughs> used to be a little brother. 
Yeah. Uh, Not so little anymore. He's developed quite a thirst. He's developed. <laughs> the dude slams beers and gained about mm, 150 pounds. I'm like, hey, Easton, how you doing, man? How, how, how's, how's your mom and them? He's like, man, I've been just drinking beer. I've been drinking slamming cold beer, cold beer brother. Let's say what. If you're I, lonely out there and you want to drink cold beer, just call me up. I'll drink cold yeah. beer with you. The dude will drink beer <laughs> with the best of them. You don't have to be lonely. Hey, yeah, right. just I was looking up a picture. Right. I was looking at a picture the other day. From his graduation. What was that, three years ago? Three years ago, yeah. Three years ago. And this kid. Easton, 167 Easton could, pounds. Easton right now stage. could eat the kid that graduated. <laughs> yeah. He did eat him. It, he yeah. did eat him. It was bad. I, was, I looked at this picture. I was like, who the Easton, hell is that? Easton is gone. Yeah. Easton's hey, gone. I am what remains. And his fucking right. muchacho. But you know what started all that was hanging out with my bigger brother, Cole Rivier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all hey. his buddies. You got to keep up, man. And hey, it's hard being a... I wouldn't want to keep up. But see, you got to. Hey, if you're going to piss like a puppy, get off the porch and let the big dogs eat, Bubba. That's hey. it. That's, That's it. all I got to tell you. It's a lot of good time. Man. But, and, you know, Easton, all the good friends I've met through Colby and all his buddies, I say they're my buddies, but I know whenever they come in, like this weekend, a lot of his buddies come in from college and all that. And what do we do all weekend? We sat in the shop drank cold beer, told stories, and we had a good time. A great time. I think every time you talk, it's about cold beer. It's cold beer. funny because he says it the same every time. Cold beer. Cold beer. We, we drank, we drank cold, cold beer. Cold beer. Hey, oh, let's, let's take a minute and talk about Easton's steer wrestling performance at the winning rodeo. Here we go. I heard you did uh, well, Easton. Did you, you know, do That well? was my biggest goal this year it was, to and enter you know the what? winning rodeo. You know what? I've been bulldogging for about – Four years now. So to see my little brother approach me about three months ago, say, look, I want to start bulldogging. Absolutely, man. Let's go. I you know. I got a practice pen over there. I got steers, dummies, everything you want. I got a horse you can ride. Let's go. We'll, we'll teach you. And his whole goal going into this whole deal was I want to jump a steer at our hometown rodeo in Winnie, Texas. And – you know, we've we grinded. We had many a late nights. Easton's old lady about divorced him. <laughs> and um, looks behind us. The yeah. looks behind us could kill. But it was a good time. And to watch him be able to back in the box over there at the Winnie Rodeo, which is a, a pretty big rodeo, and go throw a steer down in the arena, it was very cool to watch that. That's Would awesome. you say, Colby, that you're proud of your brother? Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> so but, and that's the big thing about... Happy tear just shed by Easton. Whenever I, I approach, you know, my bigger brother, I said earlier is, you know, I've always looked up to him. As a little brother, you do that. You yeah. look up to your bigger No doubt. Brother. I got two of them. I, yeah. I, I can relate, yeah. no doubt. And for him to accept me, let me use his horse and all of his material and not ask for a penny... You know, it says a lot, and I have learned a lot too. And that was the biggest goal of mine all year. And for me to, like I said, I wasn't the fastest, but that was my biggest goal. I did it, and I'm happy. I'm ready for the next rodeo. Yeah, yeah. hell yeah, dude. That's one thing I will say about Colby Rivier. He is the most giving person I have ever met in my life. Yeah, by far. We had a and conversation his- about this between the last. Seg- segment that we did and the one that we're recording oh, now. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, and that I mean, that's just how they were raised. I mean, Big Raj, 
The garage is the greatest man oh, to ever dude. walk this earth. The garage is the goat. Yeah. The garage yeah. is a badass. Oh. I mean, and, and he I, he pretty much raised me growing up. I mean, big garage is a beast. I mean, there was a time back in the day where, you know, the guy that was older than me that was driving me to school had kind of a, you know, not so great truck. And we would break down on the side of the road every now and then. I mean, we're 16 years old. Or he was 16. I was 15. I, didn't, I wasn't even driving at the time. But his truck wasn't so great. Broke down. Big garage said, no, sir. And bought this dude a brand new truck. Didn't He was just a friend of mine that was bringing me to school and brought him a brand new truck. Got to make you school on time, man. Got to make you to school on time. You know, basketball practice, Coach Gomez. That's salt of the earth. <laughs> That's salt of the earth. Hurricane right? Kane's not so friendly. Kane, man, reamed me. Coach Gomez, basketball practice. We're running sprints, Bubba. <laughs> we didn't make it on time. We're running How sprints. How do you think we made it to cardiac so fast when we would go to the marsh, man? We were well conditioned. Yeah. We were well conditioned. There was a There's a unit uh, in our neck of the woods they call cardiac because you'll practically go into cardiac arrest just trying to get there. <laughs> yeah, and, that uh, name for you got reason. a boat. You got to boat your way to the pond, and then you've got to walk from the intercoastal waterway about a mile into the marsh to get to this pond. I've made that walk more times than I can count. That's a good thing about hunting with Matt in public land. Is, like I said, Texas Point, my story from earlier. I remember that morning, the gates opened at 4 o'clock. Matt was the first person, and don't forget, it was 30 degrees, <laughs> stripped in just pants, no shirt, no shoes, no nothing, and sprinted. I was get, to I was going to be hot. I knew there was no way I was yeah. going to run out there in full decked out camo, like in my hunting gear. I was yeah. going to be soaked. So and I he just, sprinted and got us hey the man, best pond to hunt, and we had a great time. Just let it fly. Let it go. Back in those days, man, I was like a back in those I was like days. a buck thirty soaking wet, man. <laughs> I could just go and I could you get anywhere. Are. He looked like you a dolphin are. swimming through the oh, marsh. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I swim like the little characters do in the Fortnite. <laughs> yeah. But back in those days when we were young, we had to do that shit. To grind it out, shoot birds. Yeah, I just told the story. Um I might have actually told it to you back in the blind yesterday morning about me racing the guy out there and oh, yeah. riding my bike and then him showing up trying to fight me and all that stuff. But um, there's been I've never been beaten. I've undefeated. I'm the reigning and there we go. But there champ. has been some fist fights in the marsh. There we? have been, yeah, there have been some fist fights, no doubt. Um, Mr. Brandon Boykin himself. Yes, it man. happens, dude. <laughs> it happens, dude. Uh, you know, tensions tensions get hot out there and. You know, a lot of people will be like, I'm going to call the game warden. We're like, hey, it's going to take him a while to get out here, and then yeah. you got to deal with me in the meantime. You're asking yeah. Yeah. And, like, what are you going to do? You know, I, I like like you said earlier, I like to be the voice of reason when it comes to shit like that, man. I, I don't want someone to get their ass whooped out here and then get their feelings hurt and pull out their shotgun and shoot me. Yeah. You know, and especially with the tragedy that happened on Real Foot, like, uh, this uh, year ago, you know. that You never know who you're up against. You never know what state of mind that person's in. I had this um, situation I was in last year with my friend Connor where we had stayed out there all night, man, in the marsh, all night, got destroyed by mosquitoes, just roughing it, you know, and this is nothing new. We used to do this because we had to out of necessity to get where we wanted to get. We didn't want to be out there that early. We had to. Yeah. So we get there, man. We're here. We got our spot. We staked our claim. We know we're the first ones here and we're, we, we threw our, our spread out and these guys showed up and we're hunting this very small pond that's probably 100 yards across 
And, of course, the rule is you don't hunt within 200 yards of the next group. And why would you Why would you want to? You're going to be yeah. shooting each other all morning, yeah. you know? These guys show up. They People stop. People don't get that out there. Though, <sighs> they stop. They talk to us for a second, and then they go right on to the other side of the pond. And they, like, eased on over there, and I was like, man, I don't know. I wonder if these guys know where they are. Like, I thought yeah. maybe they didn't realize they were that close to us and that they were still on our pond, and so I went yeah. over there to talk to them. And these were older guys, like older, older men, like walking stick men, older guys, white beards and all. And these are the kind of guys that you would expect um, respect out of, you know, that that generation. Oh, yeah. Man, as soon as I pulled the boat up on the bank, I said, hey, guys, um, I don't know if y'all realize we're right there, like 100 yards from y'all straight across from where you're about to set up like we're going to be literally shooting each other all morning and uh i said you know tried to tell them hey this pond's open this pond's open like here's your alternatives and here's where you can go and they immediately started cussing me mother effing me and and all this stuff and um telling me i was like an entitled little prick and all this stuff because i was a young hunter and i was trying to be respectful as i always am yeah uh, and just, you know, come up with a solution. And they immediately were cussing me, telling me F you and this and that. And Connor woke up. He was in the boat sleeping. And uh, he got up and was fired up, dude. And he told these guys, he said, I'll make sure y'all don't shoot a single duck this morning. I'll shoot every time I see a bird just to, F, just to screw y'all over. And uh, they just would not budge. They were screaming and hollering at us, and Connor was ready to fight them. I said, dude, I don't know, man. These guys, we know... They're out here to hunt. Everybody's got a gun on them, right? We're going to jump out and whoop on these old men. What are they going to do? Pull out a gun and fucking kill us. Yeah. yeah. I was bad like, if dude, that was uh, Todd Blood Nappy Williams over there, though. Dude, it was just not. I told, I said, dude, it's not worth the risk. I said, let's go. Let's get out of here. We know what's open. You know, we talked to all yeah. these guys, and I said, we got other spots out here. We go and hunt a different pond, and we shoot a two-man limit. It was just us two, like yeah. two guys. They had three. We could have still taken them. But um, <laughs> we go shoot our two-man, like, pretty quick. And then we, we're pretty close to these guys. We'd have known if they were shooting, we listening. You know, they didn't fire a shot all morning. They hunted on the opposite side of where you should have set up on that pond because they were the last ones there. We had the right side, you know, and they were on the wrong side with the wind. They weren't getting the birds. We shot our limit, and we came through their pond. And uh, I don't even regret it one bit. Ran right through their spread, flipping them the middle <laughs> finger. <laughs> And I yelled at him, F you. I said, fuck you. Gave him the bird. Ran right through their spread. Connor was on the front of the boat holding up limits. Oh, yeah. I, said, I mean. Man, yeah. You dude, can, but I thought him they could suck it. That is the shit you have to deal with in the public land there. That's, yeah. yeah. Easy ability is why people come to people like you, Colby. I mean, you don't have to wake up at 1 a.m. to get out to your spot. You don't have to deal with guys like that. Waking up at 1 a.m. is is late. Yeah, oh, you yeah, know yeah, nowadays yeah. it's getting out there by twelve. It's getting oh, that yeah. way now, man. Yeah, what we do? Well, I mean, we grew up doing that, Matt. When we go hunt JD Murphy's, I mean, there yeah, be I mean, we did, every but, weekend we'd be out there, you know, and we and we drew straws on who was going to sleep in the truck that night. It's it's. Yeah. I think it's on a unit a per unit basis because but, there are units that I would hunt that I would have to get out there like the night before eight nine yeah. o'clock one whatever. And then there are units that I knew. I was like, all right, the first guy is going to show up around midnight, 1 o'clock. Yeah. You know, or maybe if this other unit is not 
you know, it's getting hot, but people aren't realizing it yet. I could go in there at three thirty or four in the morning. Yeah, you yeah. know, but oh, it never lasts. You know, it's, it's, it's a it's a matter of of who's telling who. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and there's so many hunters around here. Even guys now are starting to come in from Houston. That, um, you know, Anawak is a is a renowned place for. Uh, not only waterfowl hunting, but just like bird watchers, man. And not that, even that, Anawak, it's, it's on the, the map. Gulf Coast, man. I well, mean, Anawak is is really big for the amount of species that migrate through here. Yeah. And so bird watchers come in in bukus to come yeah. out here and just look and photograph birds, you know. And then you hear about Anawak having all these species, and and like I said, we're blessed with the opportunities we have. Uh, right. And so there's a there's a large. Uh, there's a big outreach there, you know, for hunters that are, they'll come from all over, yeah. you know, just to come yeah. hunt down here. Yeah. And, you know, you think that, you know, that maybe that's like, it, it'd be far-fetched or maybe you look at someone and you're like, man, that's so inconvenient to have to come to Anway. Look at the places we've gone to go hunt. Oh, I've driven across the country to go hunt and I've hunted public units across the country, you know, and you think if I saw somebody from like Nebraska hunting here in Southeast Texas, I'd think they're out of their damn mind. Yeah. You know? But then again, they don't have to. We go, <laughs> yeah, they don't have to. Yeah, yeah. I think they're out of their mind for going south. Why are you going south? Go north. Yeah. If you want better opportunities, just go with her, you yeah. know, shortstop yeah. them. Yeah, I understand. There's a lot of work that goes into this, and the public land is a good opportunity to learn. Well, the yeah, hard, absolutely. Get western. Like, I that's, mean, yeah, that's, that's grinding it out, man. Yeah. I mean, get out there. Get your elbows dirty, yeah. you know. Learn how to shoot ducks, and 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 grind it out. So. Yeah, because whenever y'all started, how many of y'all knew how to blow a duck call like you do now? None. You know how I, I learned. Still don't know how to blow. You know how I learned how to blow a duck call. I was going to college four hours away from me, and I would watch YouTube videos, and I had this nice duck call, and I would just practice the whole drive. Just yeah. hammering down, you know, trying to imitate it, hammering down, hammering down, and finally, you know, you develop it to where it's good and, and, and all that. But it takes a lot of work. People that think that you can just jump right into that, no, sir. You're mistaken, nah. dude. It's, you, it's you hard. are mistaken. Like Beck right now, Beck's, Beck's still learning how to blow a duck call. He's developing. He's pretty good right now. But, I mean, it takes a lot of practice. Yeah. Years yeah. of practicing. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm still, I'm still trying to learn everything, you know? Like, I've been hunting hard for four years now. I've been hunting, like, ducks for five, but I've been hunting real hard for four. And, uh, yeah, I still can't blow a duck call like these guys. I mean, these guys blow me out of the water. It, it's it's unreal how, how well these guys can just turn those ducks. And then it's, like, little tips, too, you know. Don't call at these points. Don't call at this point. Um, stuff well, like that. If you think about it, we're down here in southeast Texas, the armpit and the butthole of America. <laughs> So by the time birds get down here from Canada or oh, wherever yeah. they're coming from, they're very well acknowledged, you know. Yeah. So well traveled. They've well already been shot at several they've, times. They've seen decoys. They've heard the calls. They've done this and that. And seen I was, was talking with a nappy yesterday about it. And nappy's been, you know, he's been guiding for forty years. The dude's very well rounded with it. So, you know, I was talking to him about it, and it's it's way different down here. You know, you 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 got to get after it down here, and you've got to uh, you got to be on your shit down here. So, and that's the coolest thing about you know we we're talking about the dogs walking. Take a stuff. break here for about uno momento. <coughs> so, you're watching.
watching Channel 4 News with five-time Emmy Award-winning anchor Ron Burgundy <laughs> and Tits McGee. You're watching... <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you gotta you gotta follow that up with the quote and say, I'm Colby Rivier. Tits McGee is on vacation. Yes, yeah, Tits McGee. You know, same shit. Same shit. Same 9 15, let's have a great day, everybody. Eleven fifteen, let's have a great day. Let's yeah, shoot ducks. Right. Yeah, they're so <laughs> where were we? Where are we? I don't even know what's going on anymore. I believe at this point we've reached uh off the rails. We're off the rails now. I mean, Colby's almost got a case of beer right in front of him. We drank. are. Um, it's four good buddies having a damn good time. We are in uncharted. We are in uncharted territory, fellas. And what are we are doing? Drinking cold beer. Drinking cold beer. <laughs> Drinking this cold beer and having a good time. A fucking maniac. Straight up alcohol. Watch your profanity. <laughs> Anybody got one to crack? There we go. This is a. Um, I would, I would be, I want to, I hope that our viewers are not having to suffer through this podcast. Maybe, maybe tomorrow I'll listen to it and be like, that was all right. But right now I'm like, dude, we're just, we're out there. We're in the deep. There's been a lot of good stories I hope that this is a very long drive for you and you go to the Bayou Dragons podcast to entertain yourself. Yeah. That's exactly what I do when I go on long drives. Oh yeah. With my job, I have to cover a very big region. So I go on very long drives and, you know, crank on by your Dragon podcast. Let it rock, baby. That's There's it. a lot of good stories being told. That's and a it. lot of, for the rookies, you got to look out for the safety. You're a rookie. I am a rookie. And a I'm rookie. still learning a lot. Hey. But I'm having fun doing it. A lot of good conversation, a lot of good people. That's what it's about. Yeah. And, you know, the... Uh, Regretfully, um, the longer this show goes on and the more beer we drink, the stories start to go downhill. But they're oh, we more, often than, not, more no. often than not hilarious. We have not tapped into it yet. <laughs> yeah. Give me one. Roll one out. Let's give one. Let's give, let's give them a show. Let's Why give not? A Ripper Jones story. We, got, oh we, we, we made the decision that, you know, hey, guys, we're, we're starting to get a little off the uh, off the rails here. We got one more beer in us, and we're going to wrap it up. So let's let's, let's just let Ripper Jones give a story. Let's go. Let's go all in. What do you want to hear? What about that uh, Superman punch over a bar? I want to hear the story oh, about okay. how you got beat up by forty guys. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, I was there that Dude, night. Man, this this story is like a broken record to me. Balls of uh, steel on this fella. Renly's gender reveal. Yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, <laughs> Colby's having his first kid. Big old gender reveal. Big old party. We were drinking a bunch of. Cold beer. Cold beer. <laughs> and <laughs> so we're sitting there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's so loud. <laughs> we turned it all the way up. No, we're sitting in the pond. Uh, yeah, we were just having a good time. And um, we decided to go out to Northgate. And uh, there was some, me had been this girl involved. But uh, I might have said a few words to her. And she had a boyfriend. And um, Well, she was a friend before and everything. And then. So I see all these guys. They don't say nothing to me. I'm like, whatever. All these guys with her because she sees, she sees me on Northgate, and she comes and say, says hello, and I had a bunch of old, like, her boyfriend's friends there, I guess. And, um, so about 10 minutes later, we go to another bar, and they start. she calls me, and I was like, hello? S- start saying, like, 
a bunch of dudes on the phone saying, oh, we're going to whoop your ass. My boyfriend's going to beat you up because you said a word yeah. to me. And yeah. I was like. Spoke with me. I told him, I said, you're talking to the wrong one. Talking to you're, Ripper You Jones. are talking to the wrong one. I said, give me an address. I'll be over there in 10 minutes. So, pulled on over there. There's all these guys out front. I, f- I figured they are just going to watch. No, sir. No. First guy I meet sticks me right in the face. <laughs> I go at it with him. You know, start knocking some jaws. Another guy comes at me, clocks me. And th- at this point, I'm like, dude, I'm I'm done. I start hitting him a little bit. Got the other guy on the back. Um, and... I started. I got him away. The guy on my back. I got him away for a second, and then the guy that was in front of me. I was just like, dude, whatever. I'm I'm taking him to the ground. If I'm going out, I'm taking him with me. Got him in a freaking guillotine. I could have broke this dude's neck, but I was just sitting there cranking it. Next thing you know, about five or six guys just sitting there stomping on my head. Um, Which Beck is a very established uh, jujitsu artist. Some something like that. But See, I was sitting in the truck the whole time. Beck is a. There was like six of us and fifty-five yeah. of them. Easton was sitting yeah. in the truck the whole time, watching my buddy get beat up. No, I take that back. I was drunk as shit, passed out in the truck. Well, let me tell you this, man. When Colby found out little brother was on the scene, and these guys were, uh, you know, beating the life out of our buddy Ripper Jones, uh, he was not happy. There was a very intense. It's a roller coaster of emotions that followed. Yeah. And Colby's uh, the Grim Reaper. Uh, so, yeah. So, well, so I, I put this guy in a, in a chokehold. Uh, I go down with him. I'm just getting stomped. I get back up, start working this dude. Um, Parker, we're working. Yeah. I was working this dude. <laughs> Next thing you know, I, like, I get out of the, like, a kid hits me in the back. So, I, I run around, and I, I get back to, like, the front of the group. And I was like, y'all need 15 dudes. All this stuff saying, uh, next thing you know, I'm, I have my hands up. I'm like, y'all need 15 dudes to fight me and all this stuff. This guy, we call the Yeti, comes with a freaking missile to my dome. It was probably Damon I've, Bailey. Yeah, probably. Imagine I, About 6'7". He was just as big as him. 6'7", 260. The Rougarou. This guy <laughs> crow hops me from the side. I've never been knocked out in my life. I've been hit pretty hard a few times. Uh, I've done like kickboxing and stuff. Uh, tournaments like that and I've, I've been hit pretty hard but I've never been knocked out this guy put me to straight in a coffin in a coffin I folded went back woke up about five seconds later I was like alright I gotta get to the truck got in the truck peeled on out of there bad news um, had a few broken ribs my head was all swollen you were in a bind. Uh, they, they hauled you over to us, and yeah. you were in a very, very bad spot. My buddy was like, I was me like, and, dude. Me and Matt were pulling up and uh, decided that that was probably going to be a bad choice. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. said, no, no, no. well, we we said, uh, hey, you know, uh, I was like, let's get I was like, let's get some fair numbers. Let's go back there. And my buddy's like, you're not going anywhere. You got a hole in your face. I said, no, I don't. And when I said don't, that air was leaving my mouth, I felt air go out of my cheek where my tooth had gone through my cheek and um yeah so i sucked my tongue through my cheek and i was like well that's something new um well when you go 1v40 yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
you take yeah. a size Bridge City, the Bridge City boys well, are just built different. Yeah, they're yeah. built different. All, yeah. all forty of them versus one yeah. dude. Yeah. You know what? You're real if you are listening to this, fuck y'all. Right <laughs> <now>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I I ain't holding nothing against them, but I was wild. It, it happens, but they. Uh, yeah, it was something else, but I got beat pretty good. Um, and uh, this yeah. is my first time ever meeting Parker Beck, and this yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah was, and Easton uh, was sitting in the truck watching my buddy get beat up. There was, you know, was a lot of wild I was not nights. Sitting in the truck, I was passed out in the truck. I, I've, I've yeah. never been exposed to that lifestyle. You know, I I graduated high school. I went to college locally for a little while, and, you know, I, I didn't do very well. I had a lot of other stuff. I was working a full-time job, and I just didn't prioritize it. You know, I didn't I didn't do the whole college experience, you know. I dropped out and went and worked in the plant. And then I'd go up there and visit these guys who were, like, going to a big school, Texas A&M, and, you know, it's, it's, it's the whole nine fraternities, and there's the, the girls and, like, all the bars and stuff, and I was like, whoa. I was like, this is wild. Dude, we were in a fight every single night. And if it was crazy. Ruby, I was, I was just, I was just uh, talking with uh, Christian, a fellow that is from College Station that y'all brought down here mm-hmm. today about that. And it was funny because I told him, I said, man, hey, nothing against you. I know you're from College Station. But we would go up there from our little town down here. And, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't fight a lot down here everybody respected one another you didn't talk to people like that you know you didn't you didn't put yourself in that situation um but we would go up there and people would talk to us like we weren't about to whoop their ass for what they were saying you know like there were no repercussions they would say things that they just thought they could get away with Mm -hmm. and it would always lead to a fight and they were uh they were not the same you know they were they were not it was like they they just thought they would just get away they, with they it. ain't cut from the same and ball. they they were yeah. not the same no. and um you know it, it didn't work out well for them a lot of times you know and we had our fair share of losses that weren't many um you know if if colby went into a ufc card he would have a very strong record <laughs> um but you know 25 and oh but you know it was just that was wild, dude. It was like it, the craziest thing about all of that is nowadays, you know, I, I would go into a situation like that thinking about what it would do to me and, like, what the repercussions yeah. would be legally and all this stuff. But, like, up there it was like you get into a fight with a guy and the very next night you see him in the bar and you're like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Yeah. Buying buying him drinks. Shots. Yeah. Hey, yeah. man, shots. What do you want, man? Yeah. You want shots or what? You're our best friends the next day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I'll, whenever I finally, you know, started chilling out on that whole deal was – I'd still go up and hang out with all my buddies in College Station or whatever, and, you know, I had Renly and all that. So we were up there, and a little tussle would would break out, and you hit somebody, and you're like, damn, dude, what is all this worth? Did dude yeah. motherfuck me? And, and I'm gonna risk losing my, you know, my family over this. The well, first fight I ever knows. I mean, my if job, you hit somebody, family, if you hit somebody right. You know, shit could go weird. The first so. fight oh, I ever man. got into up there with y'all, I was like, we got to go. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, dude, no, we got to go. Like, they're they're about to start shooting at us. Yeah. You know, and they're like, no. So I think it was you, Colby. Like, no, they're not like that up here. No. I was like, dude, if we would have gotten in this same situation back home, someone would be trying to kill us right now. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. we, we just hurt a lot of people's feelings. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Now, 
nowadays nobody can take an ass beating. They no. gotta pull a gun or a knife or yeah. something like that. Your buddy's gonna jump. In. Hey, says Parker. I, I only took it once. All right. Hey, and I, I don't hold nothing against those guys. It it was a little unfair, but a lot of unfair. It is a lot of unfair, but hey, we'll, we'll take it on the chin. We're not putting. We're putting an asterisk behind that loss. I would hope. I would hope that, that was about the only one. I would hope that 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 gal and that gentleman are doing well to this day. They're not. No, sir. Well, more yeah. power to them. Yeah. We've gone a little bit off the rails here on this episode of the Bayou Dragons <laughs> podcast. We surely appreciate anybody who's stayed this long to listen. We're going to go ahead and wrap it on up. Like to uh, thank these guys for sitting and talking with us. Uh, Beck, Colby, Easton, I surely appreciate y'all uh, sitting in for me uh, as a solo host. Y'all have made it very easy on me. Uh, I want to go ahead and plug Coastal Fowl, uh, Coastal Fowl Company for over the past couple of days, um, you know, taking us under their wing. That's a play on words, but, you know, uh, having us out, you know. <laughs> yes, sir. Having us out, getting us in the blind, putting us on birds, and, uh, and give us an opportunity to, uh, you know, yeah. Fellowship with one another and, and have some great mornings. Uh, yeah. Can't thank y'all enough, man. Uh, well, we thank you, the Bayou Dragons, to come out, support us, have a good time. Well, you know that's uh, whatever I have to offer is y'all's, man. Um, so y'all just let me know anytime. Uh, I'm surely, I'm definitely grateful, man. Uh, there will never. Yeah. it's been a good be a shortage gonna, of it's, that. It's been a great opening weekend, man. I mean, we've shot a pile of birds. Even even yesterday. still with the the weather and the storms and you know, all that stuff, and, it was and weird. But. Yesterday was it's it wasn't the best time we ever had. Damn sure wasn't the worst. No, you sure. know we we had a great time, and uh, that I will put this. We, that was probably the best time I've ever had in a duck blind with people. Like that yeah, was so fun. much fun, dude. So, you know, being able to do that with you guys who you know my best friends over here. So it's yeah. twelve buddies. In a dope blind, having a good time, enjoying what they love to do. What were they oh, doing? Say, what were they doing? I, thought I was waiting for Drinking it. cold beer. Drinking <laughs> cold beer. Cold beer. So, thank you guys for watching. Um, make sure you like, subscribe, follow us, youtube.com slash Dragons, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Y'all check us out. If you've made it this long, I very much applaud you. Um, yeah. you, you. If you're watching along, you see all the beers that are on this table, and if you're listening, you know that there's a lot of beers on this table just in the direction this podcast has gone. So <laughs> we'll catch you guys on the next one. Appreciate you all for stopping by.